The MX Vice Show. Welcome to episode 71 of the MX Vice Show. I am your host. Yes, your host. It's a whole new world over here. It's amazing. Uh, I'm your host, Lewis Phillips, at least for this week. I don't really know what's happening beyond this week, but for this week, I'm here. I'm on the mic and it's hot. We're doing this. We're one week away from Russia. We've finally got something to talk about. It's been a long old time of just general chat about nothing, but following eight months we finally got some racing. MXGP kicks off this weekend. And yeah, that's good. The MXY show is brought to you by Fly Racing, Liat, Planet Moto Holidays, Prox Racing Parts, Technical Touch, KYB, Even Strokes, MXGP TV. You'll probably want to get on that this weekend. Backyard Design UK, Asterix Knee Braces, Armour Nutrition, and Blenzel Oils. Uh, part one of the MXY show, as always, is presented by Fly Racing. Fly Racing has redefined expectations in safety and performance with the Formula Helmet. Tested on the most advanced equipment in the world, the Formula Helmet's overall performance is best in class in both high-velocity crashes as well as rotational and low-speed impacts. Featuring Rion technology, Conehead EPS, and a 12K carbon shell, the Formula's advanced impact system introduced a new approach to both protection and weight reduction. Weighing only 1,290 grams, we believe the Formula to be the perfect combination of industry-leading innovation an ultra-lightweight design. Simply put, the Formula Helmet has changed the game. And it's changed uh, Conrad Muse's game a little bit because he's been quite good this year and he put on a Formula Helmet. So coincidence? I think not. With me this week, sadly, is not James Burfield. Um, that's part of the reason I'm hosting. He's gone for this week. He'll be back next week. I think he'll be back next week and it's fine. It's been a Obviously, it's quite emotional for everyone here. He made it 70 episodes. Some thought he wouldn't make it 10, but he's off this week. And um, we have come a long way, that is true. From where we began. Oh, I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. And I will tell him all about it as well. I mean, I don't need to because this is recorded, but I'll probably tell him all about it. amazing stuff that. that's moving uh with james seeing as james isn't here i actually used the budget that he demands to get wiz khalifa in studio to play that for us so that's great in-house band but no <laughs> co-hosting this week is a british championship rider an actual rider who's just somehow popped up in every major event around the world at different points tom neil how's it going hello well good yeah I've, uh, I've got quite a bit of experience racing around the world um not a lot of results but yeah we've been there and done a bit so I've been a student at the sport for god knows how long so I feel I'm kind of a sideways move from James I don't know about an upgrade or downgrade but we'll see well we're not doing armor you smarter than a birth this week so that's another sad thing maybe I should play the song again for that but no uh, before we start actually maybe just give everyone a little rundown of like 
what you've done in the sport as far as like where you've raced and stuff, just so people yeah. know that we've brought in an experienced hand. Yeah, I've, uh, I've raced the British Championship for probably the past 20 years, um, right up through the youth ranks and everything like that into sort of the MX2. Uh, I've raced, I've done a couple of VMX in my career, um, like the European series. And I've done a little bit of, in America, I've done a couple of like the, the Minios and Loretta Lynn's qualifiers and things like that. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's me. It's about it. There we go. That's better. That's, that's, we've got a real racer. That's great. To actually find a new co-host for this week, I um, swung my conductor's chair around, around, not around, around in the Watson wagon and just looked around on there and I found Tom. So that was the first place I looked because, you know, you need like-minded a, fe- a fellow driver. I'd, I'd like to yeah that's true that's true there, yeah. I actually yeah, didn't have been... to I didn't have to swing 360 and look into the wagon <laughs> I just had to look into the passenger seat But I'll be fine. on the ticket sales next year it's fine yeah what wait I can't remember what I said I am I didn't say I'm a conductor Grand Marshal no. okay. okay yeah I think I said I'm the Grand Marshal <laughs> I don't know what that means still but that's what I am we'll take it so obviously Russia is this weekend but not only that we had uh, a shit ton of racing weekend just gone we had a Slovenian championship guys that went 1-1 shock uh, we had Erne first round of the French elite championship Hurlings won the overall in MX1 there and Vial won MX2 uh, had a Italian championship Lupino won in MX1 there surprisingly actually and I don't even remember the MX2 results uh, what else was British championship Harry Kulas and Ashton Dickinson won the two classes and Maybe there were some other races that I'm forgetting as well. But either way, looking at those three races, there was or those six races, however many there were, I feel like there were three kind of standout things. Not standout things, but there are three things that kind of jumped off the page. So I'm going to give them to you, and you can kind of pick the one that you think is most um, right, most interesting, surprising, whatever category you kind of want to go with. Okay. Right, so Fevreau obviously pushed Hurlings in France quite a lot. Second moto, like he was, he pushed Hurlings. He did that. So that's one. That's uh, two is Lupino. Okay, so, Caro- so Lupino won the overall in Italy, but Caroli didn't race the second moto because he's got a palm injury. Bizarre, yes. But in the first moto that Caroli did race, Caroli won it, but Lupino was only 0.9 seconds, or not even seconds, 0.9 of a second uh, down on Caroli at the checkered flag. So also surprising. Or uh, three, Beniston went 2-2 in MX2 in France. Pick one. I feel like the, the Fevre pushing Hurlings thing is probably a little bit more surprising considering like in his pre-races, the pre-season races, he was good and then all of a sudden he'd just have this like horrific arm pump and then just seemed to fade back. But obviously I think he went for the surgery, didn't he, to have his forearms done. And if that's now his sort of MO of pushing Hurlings, I feel like it's been successful surgery and sort of a, maybe an insight of what's to come. Um, I feel like... I actually with, forgot... Um, oh, no, go on. I was going to say, I feel like with Lupino on Italian tracks, he's always seemed to do, done good in the past there. Um, I remember at Arco one year, he, he sort of ran top five. I think he finished in the top five there, actually. And, uh, yeah, was, last year, he, I think he was yeah. third in a moto. Yeah, so he's obviously... I don't know if it is a maybe a home track advantage or what, but and I feel like if you if there's only a one v one sort of scenario of and you're only against Cairoli, you can half decent rider, you can sort of follow him, learn a lot off him, learn his lines and sort of thing. There might not be much separation, but 
yeah, I feel like uh, Fevre pushing Herlands is probably a little bit more impressive. I forgot that Fevre had arm pump surgery. Like, completely forgot about it. <laughs> because I think he posted it on his Instagram. I, f- I think. I think that's where I saw it. But he obviously did the Italian championship and yeah, he had arm Yeah, pump, yeah. Like, like he, he, he was really fast, like showed a lot of speed and then all of a sudden it'd be like, oh, he's just dropping and it doesn't really give you... Because I remember look. people were saying the Italian championship was free back-to-back weekends and the third one, he was still complaining about like ridiculous arm pump and I remember people were like, well, you've raced like, you've raced three weeks in a row now. Like, is there not improvement? If it was just the first one, he'd have like a, a pass almost, wouldn't it? Because he'd be like, oh yeah, he's first race, he's coming in, maybe a little bit nervous or whatever, because you don't really know where you stand. But three weeks in a row, by the third one, you should be like, if you're fit and strong, you should be ready to go. But it's weird, because I don't remember him struggling with arm pumping GPs any other year. So like, I don't know where this could come from. Out of no, Like, why now? Oh yeah, now I've got arm pump and now I need surgery. Like, I swear that this wasn't a thing last year. No, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. As a rider, I feel like you either you struggle with it or you don't. So like there's riders out there that have a lot of them have had surgery because of it. Or you just know that like this rider struggles with arm pump. Uh and then there's other riders that just never get it. And you just I feel like you have it or you don't, sort of thing. Yeah, I've like I don't know, the whole thing confuses me. But maybe this is a maybe this is a thing. Maybe he's had it like in silence every other year. And maybe this could do something. The yeah. most interesting thing, like that, I would have picked that as well from, from the three on the list. And in that second moto in France, uh, Sewer won the first moto, actually. So, like, tip of the hat. I can't forget that. He did whole shot, but still. Second moto in France, Herlins and Fevre both did, ran a 150 lap time. And then the others, Sewer, Koldenoff, uh, did 153s. So, like, that's something, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That probably is more, like, even if, even if uh, Herlins wasn't there, and Fevre ran that lap time compared to Sewer and Koldenov. Like, even that, that would be something quite huge, I think. I feel like speed's the hardest thing to find. You know, like, if, if the rider's got speed and he knows he's got speed, then it's just a matter of doing it over the, the motor rather than, like, if you, fit, if you go there and you think, oh, I'm, I'm five seconds off, like, your confidence is just, like, shot before you even get there. Whereas if you go there and you're thinking, well, actually, I ran the same speed, so it's just about finding that fitness. I've had, I've had the arm pump surgery. Um, I'm ready to go. Like, he'll have obviously done a lot of work over the off-season with the team and everything and testing. So, he'll, I feel like you should be... Everything's covered at that point. I think... Um, I was thinking about this the other day. Still, February on a Yamaha in 20... Uh, Jesus. Uh, 2016. Like, like, the beginning yeah. of that season when he was battling with guys are still... Unbelievable. Like, when I think about the, this, the guy we have now is the same guy as the guy we had that year. All of that, that's hard. Um, that's unbelievable to me because he was that good. So, like, seeing stuff like, okay, his arm pump's fixed now, that's good. He ran with Hurling, so that's good. Like, I'm still kind of, like, got this tiny bit of hope that maybe that guy will come back and could do something, like, ridiculously good. But, yeah. Yeah, because it, it was the head injury that stopped sort of the momentum that year, wasn't it? I think, did he knock himself out at Matley? And then it sort of yeah, yeah, spiral, and spiraled down Turkey, from there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, Matley knocked himself out. Turkey, he knocked himself out. I think that was the same year. Maybe that was the year after. Right. And then there was another one. I think he's had... He's had... Yeah, so, so two head injuries within, within a short amount of time is, is going to knock anyone, isn't it? I think it's like a big issue with things. So for him to finally get to that point. Actually, I think it was 2018. I think it was 2018 he knocked himself out in Turkey, but still, 
All right. He's okay. had more. He's had more concussions than anyone else. Yeah, yeah. Eventually, they'll take their toll, won't they? So it's taking a long, a long period for him to get over it. Or if it's something else, then it's just finding that speed again. So in this situation, Herlins has done three preseason races. He's won all three. Not he hasn't actually swept any of them. He even like he lost a moto to Ben in Ling. Round of applause. Way he lost a moto to Despray. In France, I don't even know how to. Is that even the correct way you say Despray? I don't know. I've never had to say his name before. But he beat Hurlings. So there was a period where he would like be almost like a silent like French rider, and all of a sudden he'd just pop up in the results, and you'd be like, "Wow, he like just top ten to Grand Prix," or like he'd he'd do something. He was good in the AMX classes. He'd win. I think he'd win a couple of motos here and there, and then now obviously he just rides the French Championship, and it's a very like specific French tracks. The very like uh, tight, twisty, hard park. Like, yeah, he just sort of pops up every now and again, doesn't he? And puts in one of them rides, and you think, yeah, you're actually really good. But obviously, beat Jeffrey, no matter Despite what. Despite rode doing. for Dixon. Yeah, yeah. Like that's. I feel like that. I feel like of all of Dixon's riders over the years, that's the most forgotten. I only remember him on a Bud Cowie. I think that was like the the main sort of his peak. But either way, he shouldn't be beating Hurlins. But no. Hurlins won. Hurlins won the overall. I just threw a pen across the ring. Hurlins won the overall. So, okay. Hurlins won the overall there as well. And then he went uh, 2 1 in France again at the weekend. Uh, Sewer beat him in the first moto. So, you look at Hurlins and Fevre in the second moto. Does that say more to you about Fevre and his improvements and his like potential? Or does it say more to you about Hurlins maybe not being the Hurlins yet that is like unreal? Like, do you get what I mean? What's so, like, yeah. do you, if I tell you that Hurlings and Fevra battled, do you immediately think, wow, Fevra was good? Or do you immediately think, why was Hurlings battling with Fevra? I almost immediately think uh, what's happened to Jeffrey sort of thing. Because he was so dominant last year, you, feel, you think like, yeah, he's just going to, as much as the competition's there, he obviously had a 60-point lead when he went out. And that's quite a lot to build on them guys. So you think like, well, what's happened to him if... if He's now battling with Fevre, who wasn't really in the championship last year. I think he was coming off an injury. But um, yeah, it was. Uh, I feel like Jeffrey sort of built each through each late, well, the preseason races that he's had now, the, the recent ones. He sort of built each time and like gained some momentum before obviously the Grand Prix start. And I feel like he's sort of not holding back, but not eliminating himself by injuring himself or pushing too hard. Um, I think maybe he's, he's got a shock by a few guys. Um, obviously, with Ben beating him in a motor, I think he was very underestimated. I think he underestimated Ben's speed quite a lot. I figured he just yeah, hasn't everyone. Just, yeah, yeah. Well, in in the first one at Ling, he went out with no tear offs on, and that's like a, a statement move, isn't it? Like you you go in there to win if you think that, and you, you in your head you're saying like no one's going to beat me. I'm just going to hold shot, and these guys are going to have no chance. But I think he definitely got a surprise when all of a sudden he was sort of 20 minutes in and couldn't even see Ben. So it, he sort of did pull it in again towards the end, but it was too late by that point. The damage was done. And if if that happens in a Grand Prix scenario and there's not one guy ahead, there's maybe four or five of a similar talent, then it's not going to bode well for him, is it? So I feel like he took these pre-seasons a little bit more seriously to try and like build the momentum, get ready for Russia and yeah, put himself on, on sort of the, the front foot going into him. Well, he, the race where he got beaten by Despray, or however you say his name, 
just sounds weird. <laughs> that I don't even know what race that. I don't even know what like type of race that was. Like I didn't even know he was racing. I just randomly um. I think he put an Instagram post up that night saying like another preseason win. And I was like, what? So then I obviously went deep on the internet to try and find what this race yeah. was. And the track looks, it looked like good practice for Russia because I've never, I don't think I've ever seen a track that hard pack at a race. So like good practice for Russia, but no idea where he found that race. Cause apart from Hurlins, I think Despray and Boog were on the podium with him. And Levere obviously like contracted to just race in yeah, France whenever yeah. they can. So I don't know where, how he found that race, but I think, like you say, I think he's kind of taken the preseason thing of building momentum and kind of like building up slowly quite seriously this year. Because with yeah. Ling, whatever that race was, and then uh, Erne, that's free on the bounce heading into Russia. So like he's properly in race mo- mode and like comfortable with race situations now. Yeah, like we were talking with February, if, if when he had arm pump at the start of the year, um, obviously your first race you might do. But with Jeffrey now, he's, he's had a couple under his belt. And if there is, I don't even think he, he's the type of guy to get it or anything like that. But he's obviously ready to go now. Um, yeah, and just doing these races, maybe maybe he did well, maybe he didn't. It doesn't matter. He knows that his bike's good under a race situation, if he was happy with it, that is. Or if he needs to change anything like a last minute test sort of thing. And, and like you said, the French track is very much like Russia because Russia's very hard. He did, he did say he had arm pump after an A. Right. So I don't know if that, so yeah. I don't know if that then makes you take something away from Fevra because you're like, oh, Hernan's had arm pump. So like, I don't really, like, I really struggle with how to look at that race because that race could tell us a lot, but I also have no idea what the hell to like, how to take it, if you get what I mean. No, no. There's uh, there's been a couple of problems at these preseason races that he seems to be having. Um, obviously, the the back brake issue. I think he said at, at Ling when he got beat, and then a hard, uh, an arm pump issue if he got beat. Is it is it him telling himself that he's actually better than this, or is it sort of like a, a reality thing of actually I just got beat? I feel um I feel sorry for Herlins in a way that he's kind of doing what everyone wanted him to do his whole life. Him going 2-1 at the French Championship is like, he won the overall. Great, brilliant. And he didn't kill himself to catch Sewer in the first race, which again, actually, and in that first race, he went from eighth to second, passing basically all of the top guys who were there, bar Sewer. So he did well. Like, he was clearly hurlings. But he's doing what everyone wants him to do. And yet, when he does it, everyone immediately, immediately is like, oh, what's wrong? Like, if he goes 3-3 free, free in Russia this weekend, that would be perfectly fine. Like, he hasn't lost really any points that are worth it. It's a massive, it's a hard pack, fast track, not what you would put down as a hurling's track at all. And it's a sketchy track. Like, the amount of riders who have got injured there over the years is mad. So if he does 3-3, free, free, that would be great and, like, fine. But 100%, the, like, headline after the race will be, Oh, like, is he himself? Is he, is he lost some of his speed? Like, it's, it's just like, people want him to do, people want him to go one way, but if he goes that way, people wonder why he hasn't gone his normal way, if you get me. Yeah, he's like, uh, he's like built up a reputation of like win or nothing. That's like, he's held to that in the end. If he doesn't win, then it's, it's literally what's wrong with you. Whereas it shouldn't really be like that because, like you said, if he went 3 3 and he's on, if he takes advantage of the tracks where he needs to and just 
it, like last year wasn't even in a real injury. Oh, it wasn't his fault sort of thing, was it, when he got injured last year? It was just an unlucky situation where he, did he catch, some, catch his foot or something like that that dragged yeah, him so off. It just yeah. on a slow lap, so like the most yeah, yeah. bizarre, like it will never happen again kind of thing. Yeah, so you just get through him, don't you? Like there's obviously a lot of rounds and he built up that lead so he knows that he can do it. It's just staying out of trouble, even though trouble seems to find him sometimes. See, I guess that is like... That is the art. Like, if you say, yeah, 2019, he, um, when he got injured in Latvia, yeah, he crashed on a sighting lap and Jazakonis clipped yeah. him. Like, oh, that's bad luck. And then last year, oh, that's bad luck. I guess the argument to that is, well, trouble um, seems to find him. Yeah. And then, yeah. like, there is no answer to that. Yeah. And I don't know if he, he's not even, like, obviously, he put himself in that situation in Latvia where he crashed on a sighting lap. Like, was his head somewhere else at that point? You shouldn't really be. Maybe he was looking at lines elsewhere and didn't see one that he hit, and and that was it. But he put himself in that situation. Whereas the one last year was just like a, a freak thing. I feel like going into Russia. Then uh, should we do this now? Yeah, let's do this now. Going into Russia, who do you, who would you pick to win MXGP in Russia? Oh, um, I think I think I still think he'll get it done this weekend. Uh, I still think he'll. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if it'll be a 1-1, but I feel like, he, like you said, his consistency, I think, will pay off and he'll come out with like a 2-1 or a 3-1 or something like that and end up getting the overall. See, that's what I think as well, but also I feel like I shouldn't think that. I kind of, I think I'm, I'm automatically set to going into any race. I'm like, well, Hurlins is going to win. Like that's, if, I'm, yeah. if you're asking me to make a prediction, you're asking me to make a bet, you're asking me to put money down, obviously I'm going to go that way. But I wouldn't be surprised if Fevre wins. And Geyser, yeah. obviously, yeah, what Geyser can win. He's a hard-packed guy. Like, that wouldn't be a surprise. But I wouldn't be surprised even if Fevre won. I feel like Jeffrey's speed's more reliable. Like, you know that he's going to be fast no matter what. So that should really pay off in results coming in. Like, Tim usually comes in strong as well. So at the opening rounds, he's usually there, like, ready to go. But... You just never. I just don't feel like he's as reliable as Jeffrey, which is mental when you think that Geyser's made it through two championships yeah, in a row. Yeah, yeah. He just, he just seems, has made it through not even twenty rounds in two years. It just seems to be made of rubber. It just bounces. Tim just bounces straight back up, and it's gonna have some of the biggest crashes. And you just think, right, he's out for the year, and then all of a sudden he's fine, and yeah, he's racking up points and then championships. While Jeffrey, like has the stupidest crash and it's like, yeah, you, you're done for the year. You're out. That's, I'll tell you what, I was just trying to think. Did Geyser even have a crash last year? Obviously, okay, he crashed, but did he have a big Geyser crash last year? I can't think of one. The one in Latvia was think. pretty big. And, uh, and I don't even remember him crashing in, oh, in the waves? Uh, the like, No? There was like a wave, like a, like a dragon back section, I think. And he sort of, the end off the end of it? I think that was him. Wait, wasn't wait? I can't. Oh, was there? A, was, was there? A, was that was there a, year before? Oh, maybe. I wasn't the one with a bike issue because there was one year where he bike, absolutely was... wrecked himself in Latvia. Yeah, yeah, bike issue last year in Latvia. Yeah, yeah, he just rolled to a stop. Yeah, I don't think he. But I can't think of a big crash he had last year. Uh, Volkenswad. Before he high sided, he high sided massive at Volkenswad, didn't he? So that was a. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That's that's what I was thinking of. So I think that might have been his last big crash. So even him. Maybe that means he's fixed himself, which is mad to say because that's kind of his MO. But if he has fixed himself, then what is, like, what is his weakness, I guess? 
I think he was going through like a stage of, do you know when like a rider finds that next level of speed? They sort of find the speed and they come across the crashes. But then it takes some time. I feel like COVID for Tim was really good because he found the speed in the first two rounds where he was crashing or whatever. And then he had like a like an almost like a pre-season again to like harness the speed and not crash. So then when he came out for the final like the final half of the season, I guess, he, he had the same speed, but he wasn't as inconsistent and he could hold it better rather than these massive crashes every week. And yeah, it obviously led to the title. I'll tell you what that made me think of. And it's kind of now, it's kind of going out there a bit, but we'll come back to MXGP. Gertz. Yeah. Because he found that speed last year and didn't know how to handle it, didn't know how to use it. But then instead of using the off-season to like learn how to use it, I feel like he's use the off-season to try and stay upright, but by doing that has compromised some of his speed and has like lost that extra 2% that Vial has in order to not crash. That's, that's the only explanation I can come up with for his, honestly, awful preseason results. <laughs> the only thing with Gertz, though, there weren't big crashes. They were just little, like, took the front end or, like, go off track and slide out. It was like, they weren't... There weren't like these massive bombs gone off and he's laid over here and the bike's over there. There were just stupid mistakes that he'd get out front and then they'd happen. And they're a little bit different, I feel like, because if he slowed down over the off-season and tried to be more consistent, it's still not going to stop the, the silly little crashes where the front just washes out. That's more of like a, a concentration thing, don't you think? You know, like with well, Tim, he had the massive the one crashes. excuse. Yeah, yeah. Like if if that wasn't the reason for his terrible preseason results, then literally I have nothing. I have no idea. That is my, I have I have gone to like the Oxford University and found the best scientists and got them to look into Gert's preseason results, and that's the best we can all come up with for the reason why. And if that isn't it, I have absolutely no idea what's happened. Because if I had a panic button, I would push it before the first race. I don't, unfortunately, because I dropped the ball. I was too busy making that song for James. <laughs> I think I think I'd with Gertz, probably a good decision. But yeah, with with Gertz, I feel like I'm at a, a show me stage. You know, like um, you've seen the speed last year, you've seen the crashes. Now he's also all of a sudden gone really quiet. There's like been no hype. It's almost like even like you were saying there, you would you'd be smashing the panic button. But we haven't even started yet. Like he could come out. He could be just sort of not holding back, but staying out of the limelight. And then when it's time to go, it's go time sort of thing. But Obviously, these preseason, these preseason races have took a lot of hype off him and they've put him onto his sort of teammates a little bit, I feel. So maybe it's almost in question now whether he's the leader of the team or not, when in reality he really is because he's the one with all the results and the wins. But he just needs to prove that he can do it without the stupid mistakes. And that's where I feel like he, he lacked last year with Vial because Vial would get a good start and it'd be like, right, now it's time to reel him in, catch him either pass him and win or he'd, he'd crash trying to catch him and it wouldn't go well for him. I don't even know if I'm in a show me stage. I think I'm just in a... Past it. You do what you want. You do what you want. When you figure out your crashes and you're backed and you can do and you do what you clearly can do, you come find me and I'll, I'll be back. I'll be back. Like, I don't know. I feel so like last year stood in pit lane at every round. There were so... I, I rolled my eyes so much at Gertz for... I can't do that again because I've got serious eye strain. So I'm just like, eh, you have fun. You let me know. 
and then I'll and then I'll start like getting excited about maybe you can battle for a world title. But obviously that's kind of up in the air now because he injured or twisted his knee at Erne in the second moto. I don't actually know if he crashed. I've, honestly, so I obviously caught wind that he'd done something at Erne. I must have spoken to seven people and every single person gave me a different story. So eventually now it's been confirmed that he will race, he will race in Russia, which on Tuesday, a local Belgian newspaper uh, put out saying that he wouldn't be because he'd done lig- ligament damage. But Yamaha have now fully said he's, he twisted his knee, yes, but he is racing in Russia. And he's going there to salvage points, which kind of tells you everything you need to know about his um, condition. Yeah, he's on the back but, foot already. Yeah, and at least last year he's like last. This is what uh, this is where it's weird because last year, I'm trying to think actually before I say this, I don't think he crashed as much through the first six, seven, five rounds last year. I don't think so. He washed the front at Matley. I remember that. Coming off, down one of the hills. Off the roller, yeah. Which was actually quite a bad one. Vulcan Swadi was... crashed in the first turn. Well, maybe he did then. <laughs> but I don't, still don't think it was as... No, because we got to a stage where he was crashing multiple times per motor. Yeah, yeah. And he wasn't doing that at the start of the year. The, um, the Was it Mantova? The stint at Mantova where it was three, the, three in a row. That was not good for him as far as crashing. I feel like it was almost every race there. I would bet it was every race. I don't even have to, I'm not even going to think about it. I would guess I would say it probably was every single race. <laughs> but it was literally, he'd be, I think he was almost winning every race at one point as well. And then all of a sudden it'd be like, oh yeah, there you go. The front end's just washed away from you or you've just done exactly. I think there was one turn and he crashed like three times in it at one point. And it's just, it, you can't have them. There mistakes. actually was, yeah. Yeah, the right hander. Now quite, I'm rolling my eyes again. Quite deep in like quite a sandy section uh, and he'd just come into it every single time the front would get away from you and or from him and that would be it but you can't have that when you're going up against Vial who's who'd just get the start and he'd run these laps the early laps and put like a, a gap on you and it'd be game over by that point if you're trying to to compete against that I feel like that's the the KTM objective as well you know like they get these kids that are like unknown or like really they usually they're all they all fit the same sort of plan like smaller guys light good off the start can lay down laps early build up a gap and then just manage the race and it just it's almost unbeatable when you're coming against that because you, you're already on the back foot if you're 20 seconds down by the time these kids have gone out got a start and if you're in 10th or whatever and working your way up and obviously, like the Yamaha have, have done a lot on the bike and got it better to the point where he can get starts and things like that. Like, I think, I think Yamahas were like the two and three as far as hole shots last year. But they need to be there, don't they? He needs to be there at the start to even have a chance. Yeah, but if you're gonna, if he's gonna just crash, then he might as well start tenth. <laughs> <laughs> like, like. I, I, I don't know. My Gert's level of hype and excitement is like at an all-time low. I'm not going to lie. You probably tell. I feel like but everyone's is. It's maybe just... once he does a social media post, that will lift <laughs> my spirits a little bit. And actually, for sure, 100%, I now know for a fact, a lot of people, like um, sponsors, team, no one's happy with Gert's social media. Everyone is like trying to get that change, but it just won't. He's just adamant that he must peel potatoes. 
but you feel like it's working. The whole point, the whole point of social media is to create like some sort of publicity, and he's getting the publicity. Maybe not for the right reasons, but it's uh, it's definitely got you talking about it. I don't know if he's doing it on. He definitely isn't doing it on purpose. <laughs> every time, no, he's doing it. The, the guy who does it does it because he thinks it's amazing. But I can tell you that every time that Gertz does a post, I get a, I get between ten to twenty texts with a screenshot of it. <laughs> And I don't know if that's, maybe that is a good thing. Maybe, or, I don't, I don't know. I'm not, I can't really handle that. And when that, once that comes back, I'll, that will also infuriate me. If, if we go to Russia and he washes the front end and then there's a social media post about how emotional he is about washing his front end, I would just throw my hands up. <laughs> yeah, thank his teammates. Though. Right, going back to MXGP. Going back to, oh God, I forgot you did yeah. that as well. <laughs> oh no. You know what? I'm not ready for Gertz this year. I'm not. I'm just not ready for that experience of the weird crashes. And just, I'm just not ready. Oh, I can't believe we did that. <laughs> um, let's go back to MXGP quickly, yeah. right? So we both think Hernandez is going to win Russia. Yeah. Um, as I've discussed with James many times, there are a big six in MXGP. Uh, and I always struggle to say their names. Hurlings, Hurlings Prado, again, not yeah. been mentioned once. Yeah. Sue has been mentioned. Guys has been mentioned. Crowley's been mentioned. We've mentioned Fevreau, we've mentioned Hurlins. Have not mentioned Prado. So Hurlins, Prado, Crowley, Geyser, Fevreau, Sewer. Do you see it the same as me that we have Hurlings, Geyser, Prado as like... One, two, three. Elite three. Yeah. And then the other three is the... They're there, but the other three are just like an itch better. Yeah, yeah, I do. I feel like uh, they've warranted it. Obviously, Jeffrey's got the titles under him. Tim the same, uh, and Prado is like a consistent, like constantly improving every single year, and he's getting closer and closer. Like last year, uh, we saw like a couple of wins towards the end, like just building, just building and building for his championship run. And it, whether it's this year or next year, I feel like he's definitely the future of like MXGP. Um, he just doesn't seem to like. He's almost got the speed without the crashes already, but he just needs that little extra step to compete for the title, I think. And maybe this off-season has helped him a lot and can get to that point. I really, um, I don't know what we're going to see this year. I really don't. Like, I actually am a full, I am fully like blasé to the fact that like, I have no idea what we're going to see this year because once again, I'm just forgetting about Prado. And there is a very good chance that Prado whole shots 75% of the motos and then just runs away with 50% of those and then that's it, job done, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's quite easy. It's, again, the KTM game plan, isn't it? You get the start, you get the, you pull a lead and then you manage from there. It's only Jeffrey's speed that he didn't need to do that sort of thing, even though he, got, he gets good starts anyway. But no one, I don't feel like anyone in the world's better than Prado off the start. And in the early laps, he's he's gone in it before it even before the race even settles down. It's like, oh yeah, he's got a five five second lead, and it's it's managed from there at that point. As we as we mentioned at the start, Crowley's got a palm injury. I don't think a palm injury has ever been mentioned in the history of MXGP. Um, he did it at home uh, Friday, just gone. I guess cooking that has to be. I can't think of how else you'd injure your palm unless you tripped over <laughs> and put it there. Like literally, I've no idea. So, you know what? I kind of feel, when I saw that, I felt sorry for Crowley because I kind of feel like we're now at a position where he can't do anything right. He's going to, like, it just seems like health, is, 
whether it's knee, whether it's now palm, like it just seems like whatever he does, he's going to be followed by some kind of like weird injury thing. It's just, he's not been healthy in that long. And he's like the older guy. It's like, oh, you just want him to be healthy. It's like, come on, like, come on, find yourself now. That's like going to a season healthy, one sort of last crack at it if this is his last year. Or if he wants to do another year, like, just stay together. Just stay, like, tape yourself together. Just get out there. Just do it and stay there rather than, like, always on the sidelines because it's, it's not going to change his legacy, but it sort of gives everyone something to cheer for, doesn't it? Because he's a generation and he's, like, a generation older than what we've got. Like, his generation have all retired sort of thing. So he's just sort of out there on his own doing it for the older guys. And it's, it's like, come on, another injury. It's like, ah, oh, here we go. It is almost like insulting to not put him in the Geyser Prado Hurlings group. Because he can actually, I would, put, I would put him as most likely to get into that group more so than Sewer or Fevra, I think. I don't know if I'm at that point. I don't know, as I say that out loud. Yeah, I don't know if I'm at that point. But who would you pick out of those three? Uh, I, think, I think both of them at times. I feel like if... Uh, like, Wait, so you, like put, you, said, you put Crowley as number six? I, yeah, yeah, I would. I would. Oh. Um, I feel like... That's harsh. Well, Sue, you know you're on about the four where Fevre was with Jeffrey. Um, but who won the race? Like, Sue, Sue won the moto. So he's obviously... Whether he's got, whether they've guys, them guys have got speed or not, they still didn't win. Where Sewer, like he's there all the time, and he's there. He's been second in the world ever so many times. I think it's four now, and it's like you've almost last year he took up a step up with speed and was crashing a little bit, but then as he like minimised the mistakes now to come in and actually compete for the title and see where it gets him. I feel like he's ahead. I feel like he's my my three B of like those guys. So you have like your one, two, three, and then he's sort of in that next yeah. crew. But I feel like he's almost on his own a little bit. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. I this is I I I full heartedly believe this. If Sewer comes out and wins Russia, that's a game changer because he still hasn't won a legit GP in MXGP. He won that one last year but he won it because of penalties and all of that stuff. If he comes out in Russia, wins straight up, even a moto, I think that will change him and his outlook and that'll be like a, a, a switch flicking. I, even if he can do it in the first five rounds, I think he's got, I think out of those six riders, most important one to win early on would be Sewer because I think Sewer does that, then that's a game changer, I think. Yeah. Don't you feel like he needs to? He needed to win a moto last year, or need to win one last year, just to um, get it off his back. You know, like usually it doesn't happen where you win the overall as well as the championship in your first year. Whereas if he's got a, an overall the year before, then he's like, right, I've done it. Next year, I think I can go for the title. That's where I feel like I'm at with him. I feel like this year he's going to get um, a couple of overalls, like different rounds, and then. The following, you just keep building. That's all I think he's doing. I think he's just slowly more and more every year. So, like, obviously, the future of it, I feel like Prado and Sewer can be there in long term. Uh, you know what? I didn't actually, that's weird that Prado and Sewer are kind of together in that, aren't they? Cause yeah, yeah. Crowley, Hurlins, Geyser, Fevra are all going to piss off at a similar sort of time. Yeah. Well, not similar, but within the same, within two or three years of each other. Like, if Crowley retires at the end of this year, Hurlins will be gone by the end of 2023. But then you don't realise how young Tim is. 
that's actually a good point as well. Yeah. Yeah, you don't realise that he can. He can. Twenty four. Yeah, he can still be around for. Oh, I'll Google this. I feel like he's got another five years in him. I know there's like a thing where you've only got a certain window at the top of your game, but it's almost like he's just he's just been like so forgotten in his in his championship runs that he could still have a few more years, and everyone might come around to the fact of yeah, like he is there for the title and people consider him. I just feel like he's very underrated. Yeah, 24. He's 24. Like, that's even that. That's even that's an underrated, like he's underrated as a person and also yeah. so is his age because he could do another, he could do another six years and win world titles. And and if you re- retired at 30, it's still not an old age really like nowadays. When people yeah, he could are... go to 33 and still win world titles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've also talked a lot about the uh, the like spoiler group of Jonas, Blandering, Watson, Olsen, Evans, who's out for Russia with a wrist injury. Well, not a wrist injury, the same wrist injury that he did in Spain last year in October. There's been like endless complications with that. He's back on a bike. He is riding. Like that's not a lie. But uh, I think I said it on a podcast last week. He only just. I think. A month ago, he was still on a 2020 bike, so he's like behind and not like 100% yet. So he'll get there. He'll get there. But um, out of those five, I think there's five riders. Out of those five riders, who do you... Okay, obviously Ben. Yeah, you can. Out of those five riders. You're saying this to a fellow Watson Wagon driver. I feel like he's he's ready to take the next step. He's definitely, uh, on my picks anyway, I feel like he's at the front of that next group. Um, I think Olsen will be really good as well, just because them two have sort of been held back by being on a 250, being taller guys, but not like aggressive styles. They're very smooth and they're sort of like stronger and ready to go. I feel like they're more experienced. They're not not exactly young now. Um, Yeah, they're a bit more mature and on them bikes, I feel like they've both got factory bikes, so they're ready to go with the front, maybe not the front three. and maybe at times I feel like they can get in there, but I feel like it's almost going to be their own little group, like battling for yeah, I think so. fifth, sixth in the championship. I think, um, okay, take it. Okay, we both think Ben's going to be great, and Ben will be great, of course. Um, <laughs> taking Ben out of it, you think Olsen is better than the other four? Or not, yeah. no, not better, but uh, out of the other, I guess there's other three. I can't remember how many yeah. guys are in this group. But out of Jonas, the rest, you think Olsen's better than those guys? Yeah, it was uh, Olsen, Jonas, Flandron, I think you said. Yeah, I think... Uh, yeah, Evans, but Evans. Oh, Evans is out. Uh, it whatever. seems to be that second spot. Yeah. Second spot at Honda seems to have long-term injuries coming with it, doesn't it? Reco- reoccurring. Same with Burgers with the ankle. I, Evans won't... Him with the wrist. Evans won't be like himself for... Evans won't be like 100% until like the midway point in the year at the earliest, I'd imagine. Yeah. So that'll be a while. So yeah, but you think Olsen's the best out of the rest of that yeah, group? Yeah, I do, yeah. Yeah, I feel like him, him even more than Ben was held back by uh, size because you don't realise how actually tall he is. So obviously there's going to be some, some part of his programme being held back, whether he's holding back with his eating or for like the weight side of it to stay lower down, to stay so he has more power on the bike because it does come into it a lot when you're on a 250, whereas on the 450 you can just sort of let himself be at a good weight level, not have to starve himself, get a bit stronger in the gym and things like that. Like you don't want to be packing weight on where now we can sort of just just go for it and uh yeah, it's obviously that's a good bike as well. 
there's not really a, a bad bike at this level. But when it comes to them bikes compared to like the Geben bike with Valandron, they were having trouble with suspension and setup last year. Like, is that, is that, there's sort of question marks around it. Um, whether they've found it to be competitive like they were at the end of last year, um, you just don't really know yet. Yeah, I think, um, I think Vlanderin's in a, I think Vlanderin is, I think, I think he's found, uh, how would I say it? He's found a okay spot with the bike going forward. But if you compare that to what Ben has got, it's not even in the same competition. Yeah, you don't want to be going in with a disadvantage. And he's also only had a short amount of time back on the bike, and he with his uh, he had an ACL rebuild, I think. Um, so yeah, he got back on the bike middle of April, middle of April, yeah. Yeah, so if, if it's like two months prep, you could probably you could do it. But it's going to be pushing it for time in it and to get in. Like the other guys have been going now since November ish. Like they've had like almost two off seasons when the season got pushed back. I feel like the guys have been ready and then be like, oh yeah, another month off. So it gives you time to rest and then go again, doesn't it? And he's missed a lot of that uh, foundation over winter and things like that. I will say, I will say this. Olsen, uh, Italian Championship in March, a lot of Olsen hype. Olsen was amazing. Way, a lot of Olsen hype. Great times. He wasn't good at Erne. He was 10th overall, uh, 11-9 in the motos at the French Championship. I, that has caused me to back way up. Like, him and Ben are meant to be like, the, him and Ben are meant to be a direct comparison. They're both, they both basically did the same thing in MX2. They both uh, moved up at the same time. They both moved onto factory teams with the same manufacturer. Like, it couldn't get more direct comparison. Yeah. And Olsen didn't even see Ben in France. I don't like. I'm. I don't know. France has, or Erne has caused me to back off the Olsen hype big time. Yeah, it's like flip flopped a little bit, hasn't it? Because after Italy, everyone was on Olsen, and now obviously Ben showed his his speed, and it's probably better off. I think I'd rather be Ben in that situation where you're on the upswing coming into the season, whereas you sort of with Olsen, he, did, he didn't didn't have a good showing. Where is his head going to be at coming into the first round? Is he going to be like, oh, I've done this, done that? I haven't done anything recently. Because the first Italian rounds were so long ago that it almost feels like last year. Like they've almost forgotten. So it's not even relevant. Yeah, I think it's irrelevant. Right to it. yeah. like, there's no way that someone can take momentum or hype no, or anything no. from that. No. Whereas I feel like Ben can take momentum because he's beat Jeffrey and then he's had a solid showing in France. And it's like Ling's a little bit of a sandier circuit and Erne is a hard pack circuit. So you've covered your bases of terrain as well. So. There's no no question really. Right, let's go to let's go to a break. But before we go to a break, MX a quick fire MXGP updates. Patrell's had COVID, raced at Erne because he kind of got over like got over that isolation COVID f- stuff, whatever you say. He's back in hospital because his COVID gave him breathing issues or something, so he's out of Russia. Uh, Ferrato, I think, is out of Russia because he did something to his knee. A month ago or something, I don't really know. Uh, but he he has got a knee injury, and I'm pretty sure he's out of Russia. Karoli's got a palm injury, but he'll be racing Russia. Evans is out with the same wrist injury from uh, Spain last year. Jazakonis is out, but he's fine. He's just making his return to GPs in uh, Matali round two. And actually, Jonas uh, Jazakonis raced. Did I say Jonas? Jazakonis, that is. Jazakonis. I don't know what's said. Jazakonis raced for the first time at Erne at the weekend and did like okay, good. 
considering his situation. He was 10th in a second moto, so like that's, so that's showing signs. And he had a big crash as well. Yeah, he had a big crash in qualifying as well, by the sounds of it. So like good night, like nice or good that he got that out of the way and was fine as well. Like, I don't know. I think that means something. Yeah. And then Guio isn't racing Russia either because him in his contract, he is contracted to do uh, the Swiss championship, even if it clashes with MXGP. And originally, he was only going to miss two MXGP rounds. But now with all the COVID changes, he's missing four this year. And Russia is one of them, but he will be back for Matley as well. Uh, and in the Swiss Championship this weekend, for some reason, he's doing MX1 and MX2 on the same day, which is four motos one day because he wants to win. I, I messaged him and I said, how come you're doing both classes? And he put, to have a good challenge. Titles in both classes is my, is my goal. So apparently that's his goal. No one else, like, I don't, like, okay, that's his goal. <laughs> Others would focus on GPs, but that's his goal. Do you, do you really feel like he's going for the, the championship in Grand Prix though right now? Do you know, like you, you sort of cut, okay, I guess cut, maybe that works. cut your losses and think like, right, uh, maybe look into the future to inspire some Swiss riders and be like, yeah, look at uh, Valentini. He's just done both classes, both championships. Like it's uh, inspiring, isn't it? Whereas going for the title I'm just for concerned him, that we might be using too much energy. I don't know why that. I don't know why this is now we. <laughs> but I'm a bit concerned that we will be using too much energy in the Swiss Championship when it comes time to GPs. I, think, I also don't know where this 250. So I guess like he'll have, guess he'll have some time to recover from it? somewhere. He's got a 250 teammate. Polak is he? Yeah, I guess he'll use their yeah. bikes. I can't imagine they're going to go to Russia. Would Would Tonus right. not go to Russia? Um, that is part. No, Tonus is going to Russia. Oh, okay. For some but, reason, that isn't in Tonus's contract, but I guess it's because Tonus is a bigger deal. Right, okay. That is part one, I guess. We'll go to break. So that is part one, and part one was presented by Fly Racing. Once again, Fly Racing has redefined expectations in safety and performance with a Formula helmet. Tested on the most advanced equipment in the world, the Formula helmet's overall performance is best in class in both high-velocity crashes as well as rotational and low-speed impacts. Featuring Rion technology, Conehead EPS, and a 12K carbon shell, the Formula's advanced impact system introduced a new approach to both protection and weight reduction. Weighing only 1290 grams, we believe the Formula to be the perfect combination of industry-leading innovation and ultra-lightweight design. Simply put, the Formula helmet has changed the game. And uh, the last competition winner of the Formula helmet, Tom Cumber, uh, got his helmet yesterday, actually, and he tagged us in a photo, and it looked good. Formula Helmet is changing the game and you'll see that with the Hitachi KTM team this year. So yeah, we'll be back in five minutes or so with uh, Liat, Ask Vice Anything and some more Russia talk. So we'll be right back. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. Known for producing the world's most effective neck braces, Liat continues to evolve and can now protect riders from head to toe. No matter whether it is their new for 2021 4.5 boot, which offers advanced technology at a mid-range price point, or the all-new 7.5 helmet that comes with free Liat bulletproof velocity goggles, Liat has you covered. Shop Liat's extensive line of off-road gear on www.liat.com. Brox Racing Parts supply genuine replacement products which meet or even exceed OEM quality. All parts are manufactured to highest quality standard at state-of-the-art manufacturing facilities around the world. Hence why everything that Prox Racing Parts offer exceeds the high-level requirements that all motocross riders require. Many of Prox's parts are actually made by the same suppliers to the OEMs. 
Head to pro-x.com now to learn more. Evenstrokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Evenstrokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at evenstrokes.com. Liat, protecting riders from head to toe. Check out liat.com for more. Fly Racing has redefined expectations in safety and performance with the Formula Helmet. Tested on the most advanced equipment in the world, the Formula Helmet's overall performance is best in class in both high-velocity crashes as well as rotational and low-speed impacts. Featuring Rayon technology, Conehead EPS, and a 12K carbon shell, the Formula's Advanced Impact System, AIS, introduced a new approach to both protection and weight reduction. Weighing only 1,290 grams, we believe the formula to be the perfect combination of industry-leading innovation and ultra-lightweight design. Simply put, the Formula Helmet has changed the game. The MX Vice Show. Welcome back to episode 71 of the MX Vice Show podcast, the only podcast that you'll find about the MXGP series, because people in Europe still don't understand podcasts for the most part. There's been a few people lately that I've been trying to get on podcasts, and they've asked me what a podcast is. So there's that. Part two, this is, and it is presented by Technical Touch, with an air-oiled separated closed cartridge design that is well-known in the MX world. The KYB factory kit suspension from our friends at Technical Touch was perfected on one of the toughest tracks in the MXGP series, that being Lommel. Uh, you too can experience the best in su- suspension, like Jeremy Sewer and Ben Watson, and close to home too. Just visit technical-touch.com slash KYB-authorized-dealer to find the authorized KYB by Technical Touch dealer in your country. And do that, and you will take your ride to the next level. Yeah, so you can actually get, basically, factory suspension for your bike, no matter where you are in the world. I think, there, I think in the UK, there's three authorized dealers. So you don't even have to go to Lommel now to get it. You can just go to one of those. Or drive over to Technical Touch in Belgium and ride Lommel and do all of that fun stuff. There are plenty of options. It's made easy for you to now to have the best in the world in suspension. Straight into questions or should we do something else? Actually, a bit of sad news. Um, I'm not, I've not gone to Russia. Well, obviously not yet because the race hasn't started. I'm not going to Russia because um, my flight got cancelled and my visa didn't go through and my hotel got cancelled on me. And after I decided not to go, my rental car actually got cancelled on me as well. So basically, it was a shit show for me. And it'll be the first time I've missed a GP in many years. Haven't missed a first round since 2014. Now that I say that out loud, I'm actually starting to get a bit Are you gonna uh, be emotional. Okay? Maybe I'll play the song again. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of just going to ignore this. Well, I'm, I'm, I can't ignore it because MX Vice needs that. I'm just going to basically act like Russia is a preseason race and then I'll go into Matley loving life. So will you be live to I'm not going to be okay, no. I don't know. I haven't decided about this yet because my thing has always been all of these people who, oh, I'm live tweeting from the TV. Like, oh, I'm at the race. Oh, Caroli's crashed. Yeah, we see that on the TV, mate. It's right in front of you. <laughs> I've always said I would never tweet from home if I'm not at a GP. But I think I might this weekend because I feel like I've paid my dues enough now where people know that I do shit properly. So I reckon I am going to do it this weekend because everyone, I've, everyone knows that I... Like, this is out of my control. Like, they denied my visa. What do you want me to do, people? Break into Russia? I know no one's got angry with me and I've just shouted at everyone, but it's fine. Um, yeah, so I'm not, I'm not going to be in Russia. It was a very emotional decision for me. But moving on, it's actually going to be a mudder by the looks of it as well. Have you seen that? 
I haven't now, but I couldn't imagine that track as a mudder because it'll just be slick and quite horrible to ride. Do you not remember um twenty? Oh yeah, it did. It did rain twenty. 18 or 17. I think. 18. 18 was wet. Uh, No, 17, because Sua was on a Suzuki. Oh, yeah. In MX2 still. Yeah. Maybe it was 16 then. No, it was 17, because Herlins was in MXGP at that point. Yeah, and it wasn't, that was a proper, like, that wasn't slick. That was a quagmire of gloopy mess. But I checked last night. I'm going to check again now quickly. At the moment, Saturday, 22 degrees, sunny all day. Lovely. There's no racing on Saturday either, because um, there's no EMX in Russia, and it's all. The one-day format, as it was last year. So Saturday, now happening, which kind of made me feel better about not going because it's a long, like a lot of money and a long way for just one day of racing. But yeah, that's Saturday. Then Sunday, scattered thunderstorms all day. Scattered thunderstorms from midnight on Sunday morning to midday exactly, and then even after midday, one o'clock rain, two o'clock showers, three o'clock showers. Four o'clock, scattered thunderstorms again. So, I, I'm no meteorologist. I'm no meteorologist. I don't even know if that's the correct word. But that don't look too good. Well, it looks great. I mean, I, I'm not going to be there. So actually, bring on, the, bring on the rain. I'm just saying I'm not going to be there. Actually, just like hit me hard. Leah, ask twice anything time. Uh, you send in your questions via Instagram, Twitter, and I pick out the best ones and put them in here. This segment is presented by Leah. Liat, protecting riders from head to toe. Check out liat.com for more. And Liat are known for producing the world's most effective neck braces. But Liat continues to evolve and can now protect riders from head to toe, no matter whether it is their new for 2021 4.5 boot, which offers, which offers advanced technology at a mid-range price point, or the all-new 7.5 helmet with 360 turbine technology and three bulletproof velocity goggles. I need to put a comma in there. Liat has you covered with everything, head to toe. Uh, shop Liat's extensive line of off-road gear on www.liat.com. Nice and simple. Yeah, whether it's neck brace, helmet, uh, knee braces, boots, gear, goggles. Yeah, Liat literally has anything. So, and their stuff's actually come quite far uh, in the last two or three years, especially the last year even. The designs of the gear are actually like uh, really nice now. So yeah, check that out. And tell them MXY sent you in a little notes section. Why not? So, uh, 10 questions this week. First one is from at Dan R. Blackham. Uh, is there any explanation for Yago Gert's preseason form? I also want to get in early and predict Bodam. I have no idea how to say that. Bastian. I know that it's how to say his first name. Bastian Bodam. I don't know. That guy. I think uh, it's as a surprise yeah, think in MX2 in 2021. Uh, I'm going consistent top eight and a podium contender at the soundtrack. Is it Bodam? I think it's Bodam. Yeah, but it has to be because there's no, like bo or it's bo damn bo damn. But either way, that's a ridiculous. That just sounds ridiculous. So I will never say uh, Bastion. Uh, Bastion, that is his name. No, as we said, <laughs> that's there isn't bold. really an explanation. What's what? I was going to say. Oh yeah, we missed the missed the Yago bit. Uh, I was going to say the the bo damn bit is bold. The podium. Yeah, I'd, I'm not... Because he was... He went 1-1 at first round of the MX250 last year, Volkenswad. So yeah, yeah Volkenswad. Sand, he's, only, went he's good. Yeah. I think he did his shoulder in Latvia. Collarbone. Ah, okay. But still, right. he, he raced... Actually, for some reason, I was... He did the last... Uh, oh, when I was doing MX manager classes. Latvia 2. 
What? And yeah, that the DNF, after. DNF 13 points, DNF 16 points, 0 0, 4 8 points. So he was, he was at a couple of the rounds, like he was at most of them. Uh, he Lommel. wasn't in he Spain. He wasn't actually that good in Lommel. No, no. Yeah, so I think what you're wrong, Dan. I don't think he'll get on the podium at yeah. all, but he can be top. He can be top ten on occasion. Yeah, yeah. I don't think. I don't think you'll. Get I think he could be. Actually. Could be a good pick in the MX manager. Well, that's why I was looking into his results because, right? So in MX two, yeah. you've got Vial, Vial, Renault, Gertz, Moustike, Beaton, Brahame, Beniston, Guadagnini, Harrop. Muse, Fernandez, Gifting, Lagenfelder, Hoffer, Wolf, and that's not even including Wilson, Todd, Stephen, Stephen Rubini. So I don't see how Bastian or Bodam is getting into um, that group that much. Like, okay, he can get into that group, be top 10 occasionally, but I can't see how he's getting through all of those riders to get top three. You? No. Uh, no. no. Not, not, uh, not with that stack to the field. I don't feel like he's podium potential. But if you're right, Dan, I will remember and I'll give you a shout out on the podcast. Especially, I don't see Russia being a good track for him at all. Like, that's straight off. At E underscore Burkis 94. Uh, thoughts on Gertz? Wow, I put in a lot of Gertz questions. <laughs> thoughts on Gertz? He's had awful results in the preseason <laughs> races. Could he be the number three Yamaha guy? Oh yeah, that's why I put this question in. Number three Yamaha guy. Maybe. I'm not at that level. Okay. I'm not there. Okay. I should probably not, not talk there. about him because and I'm clearly uh, not very can we, nice at the moment. Can we, can we uh, see some results from the first couple of rounds first before we put him number three on the team? I feel like that's quite uh, not insulting to him, but it's, it's definitely underestimating him. But right now, I would say that Renault is number one. I'll put Gertz number two right now, but right yeah. now, as it stands current form, I think Renault is, um, is number one on Yamaha. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and but he also he also was injured. He was injured in this off season, wasn't he? So he's obviously come over that quite quick. Yeah. So what was uh, that was first Italian race? He did his collarbone. He did a collarbone. Collarbone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. First weekend in March. I think he had a month and a half off. So he's been back on the bike two months now. Right. Yeah. It's still know. it's it's a lot, but in a sense, it's still not that much. Considering I, that. Yago hasn't had any problems, if that's what we think. It, I mean, Yago has done an Instagram post in the advert. And I wasn't going to read it, but seeing as there's so much Yago talk, I will read it. It's actually a fine Instagram post. Maybe they've learned something. Hey, guys, says Yago. <laughs> Packing my bags to travel to the Russian Grand Prix. Last weekend, I suffered a small injury, but after positive advice from my physiotherapist, I will be behind the starting gate for the first GP of the season. I'm eager to finally race again. That's fine Instagram post, except I'm eager to finally race again. You raced last weekend. Like, what? Fair enough, to each their own, but you raced last weekend, mate. It's not that big a deal. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, thoughts on Gertz. So, I don't know. I, if you ask me to pick Vial's number one challenger for the year, I probably wouldn't say Gertz, but then I don't even know who else I would say because I can't see anyone really giving it Vial. Can you? The next you'd have to look at is Renault. Um, obviously on that team last year, he wasn't on, I think, did he have a, a deal with factory engines or factory parts? But it yeah, he had Rinaldi, engine, uh, Rinaldi engines. Yeah, so obviously he had a decent bike, but 
I don't think it'll be comparison or in comparison to the one he's on now. And having a full off season with a factory team, you'd like to think he'd take a bump up in speed and overall like fitness and everything. Uh, maybe he can take the next step and sort of challenge Real because he was in at times last year. He was like the third man, wasn't he? And sat behind Iago and uh, Real at times, and even getting a moto win here and there. So maybe he can take that next step and be there more consistently and every week. It's um, it's proper underrated that he was third in the championship. I think if you asked, if you went around yeah. Matley, for instance, and said who was third in MX2 last year, I think that mm, I don't, I'm not even sure anyone would say Renault. No. But I'll tell you one thing. I'll tell you one thing that I probably should find out. So Renault had Renaldi engines last year. I wonder if he's got Star engines now. I don't even know if they're yeah. still doing that this year. Gertz had a star racing engine last year, but I don't even know if that's continued. I can't imagine him uh, like sort of backing down and taking something else over the bike that he had last year. Though he was, it was obvious it was very uh, a good bike and competitive. So why would you want to want to take a step backwards in a sense? Unless they found something in a Rinaldi engine that maybe if it was an option, he just decided to stick with what he's got. Yeah, Comfort and all that. I'm not ruling out that Gertz could be the number three Yamaha guy. I'm not. Sorry, not sorry. I mean, he won't be. I'm pretty sure he won't be, but I'm not ruling it out. I feel like Beniston needs a year, at least, to, to then be considered higher than Gertz in the, under the awning, I guess. Uh, I assume their, their figures on their contract will be quite a little bit different as well. I've, I've heard that Gertz is very well paid as well. Next question, yeah. at Chris United 93 which will be the most competitive class this season? Will it follow the model of AMA Outdoors and have multiple winners in the first four races? Or are we in for Old Faces, Same Places? Old Faces, Same Places is actually quite a like, catchy little saying. Uh, what? So, will it follow the model of AMA Outdoors and have multiple winners in the first four races? So, the Outdoors had... Oh, yeah, the Outdoors have had two winners in each classes for the fruit of both races. What do you think? Can that happen? I guess so. I think I think there's going to be more motor winners in MX1 than MX2. I feel like there'd be more variation in MX2, but as far as motor winners go, um, MX1 there's obviously like the the three that we mentioned, and then the two like wild cards of uh, not wild cards, sort of uh, young guys coming up. Then the next group behind them, uh, yeah. But with MX2, I feel like you're going to have to be really good to beat Vial, Gertz, Renault. Like they stole a lot of the motor wins last year, so another year. Where where is anyone going to get into that? Whether Gifting can step up and get into it and beaten maybe, uh, but yeah. List um list every rider who you think will win a moto, a moto not overall, uh, win a moto in MXGP this year, and then I'll do the same after you. Uh, Jeffrey, Tim, Prado. Watson, what am I out there? Oh. Oh, and you haven't said Sewer, Fever or Crowley yet, so I'm just waiting for that. Oh, oh, I don't think I don't think I really will. Sewer. What? You don't think you'll win a moto at any point? No, no, don't think That's so. That's bolder than me saying that Gertz could be number three at Yamaha. <laughs> just, I just, I don't know. I just got the feeling, the, the the feeling that he isn't. Good. How many did he get last year? One. Uh, he won Two. three GPs. I don't know about motos, but he won three of the three overalls. Right. Okay. 
Yeah, but he's not he's not an up and comer. He's not uh, going to get any better with another year of age and yet another injury under his belt. It's uh, it's not going to be on an incline. I feel like he's he's not going downhill, but has he got anywhere to go? Like all he's got is more competition with Olsen and Watson coming in. He actually only won two motors last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't I don't have him down as a motor winner. I'm afraid. <laughs> did you say? Did you say cold enough? Yeah, yeah. I think um, I don't know why. I don't know why, but it's just these weird, weird events where it'll just come out. It's not an opportunist. It's just more of um, he has his day where he's just almost like really good. Like we saw in was it Latvia last year, where it was like he's. I think he went two one and took the overall. And it was like, yeah, sort of come out of nowhere. I feel like he'll have one of them again. I will go. Geyser, Sewer, Correct. How many did I have there? Six? Uh, what, wait, uh, you said five. Six. Then Ben, then you seven. Because you had the big six bar Caroli, and then you added Ben and Koldenoff. Right. That's quite a lot. I feel um, like the high numbers. Yeah, yeah. I will, I will go. But it's only motos. There are 40 of them. So... Yeah, yeah. And, and then adding injuries and stuff like it is quite possible yeah I would go Geyser Hurlins Prado obviously they'll win uh, most of the motos Sewer Fevra Caroli I do think Caroli would get one Ben I think would get one I actually do hand on my heart I do believe that Jonas I would probably put in the group too because if I think that he can I do hand on my heart believe that uh, I would are you, are you track specific with Jonas are you do you know, like, if there's a certain round where you think you can do it, or is it just like a love of what you've seen at the test track? Right track? I don't even know what. Um, I don't even. I don't even know if it would be round specific because we haven't seen him race in so long that I don't even really remember what Jonas is good at. <laughs> like he yeah. raced two races last year, and then, yeah, he's but, not like, like is he known as a sand guy or a hard pack guy, or is it just uh, he, anything um, goes? He. Two most hyped people this off-season, Ben and Jonas. Everyone, everyone who I've rung who's been in Belgium wants to talk about how good Jonas looks and how good Ben looks. And jo- when I spoke to Jonas right. when I was in Belgium, I can't actually remember if I said this on a podcast. When I spoke to Jonas when I was in Belgium, he said the gas gas did actually feel quite a bit different to the um, Husky and it felt more like a 250, just size-wise, which is bizarre. But he said it felt more like riding a 250. So he was much happier on it and just felt like he could ride it as comfortably as he did the 250 back in the day. So then add in the fact that he seems to be very happy in standing construct, relaxed factory team, very uh, what the rider wants to do, the rider can do, then those are all good things, I think. I've just counted there was 10 motor winners last year. I guess, yeah, when you add to Sal and Paul Ann, that's... An extra two. Yeah, that's something to go off. Yeah. But we're losing them, gaining Olsen, Watson. So I've done one more than you. I've done eight. Because add, I added Jonas and Caroli. But I didn't say cold enough. And that's not because I'm a hater. That's just because you've got to make picks. It's hard. It's a hard game in your podcasting world. You've got to make your picks. You've got to stick to them. It's difficult. So yeah, actually, to answer old Chris' question, which I kind of forgot we were even doing that. To answer Chris's question... <laughs> Yeah, I think it will follow the model of the AMA Outdoors and there will be multiple winners. I don't... Well, in the first four races, yeah, for sure. But I don't think that MX2 will be as wide open as 250s are outdoors. I think Viao is going to piss it. No question. He'll win 
Uh, there's 40 motos. I think Vial will win 25 of them. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's going to be a dominant season for him. Showed that it, it was last year was a dominant season, and we've lost two two high end competitors. So, what's to say it isn't going to be even easier for him, sort of thing. I feel like he just stays out of trouble. Vial you know is I mean? Like there's never there's never any. Yeah, he's just a mini, miniature version. He is he is just what Prado was in MX2. Like there is that is it. The KTM model. I think that's. I think actually, the question after next, there is actually a VR question coming up, which is going to be interesting. As actually, might be the best question of the week. At Braden underscore two one two for the time being, note says if Ferrandis stayed in Europe and signed with Yamaha, would he have been or would he be as successful? You can take that one. No, I don't think he would be. I feel like when he went when he went there, he was at the peak of uh, star racing Yamaha's dominance. Um, and he took advantage of it. Obviously, when in the first year, he was very like unknown. Nobody had a clue what he was going to do. And he was on a very good bike in, in a 250. I think he was West. I think he was West that year. Um, and he showed that he, he just basically bullied everyone the first couple of rounds and then found his feet and harnessed his speed a little bit. And it, it went from there. It was, yeah, I just don't feel like he was the same rider in Europe I don't know why there's just something that he was good he got uh, he took a motor win away from Jeffrey and yeah it just it, I don't know where the path would have gone because he was on he was on was it he was on factory 250 Kawasaki at the time wasn't it? was it CLS team yeah CLS yeah, and he then where, he was going where to would, with Pro Circuit yeah, yeah, but when where would would that have led into the factory 450 team, or would that have would he have gone elsewhere? Or I just don't think that the I, th- I feel like the the age rule would have hindered him. Whereas in America, he had a little bit more time to to find his feet and to find his speed. He is much older than you'd think, isn't he? I'm going to Google that one as well. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's so, older than so the, Dylan Ferrandis age twenty seven. Almost 20, uh, no, just 27. How close was he to aging out when he left? Did he have one uh, year He left? left in 20, 2014, 15, I think was his last year. 16. No, or was it 16. No. Yeah. Wait, what year was he number four? On a, I think, no, it wasn't 2014 because he won in Argentina. 2016, I think it was. I think it was. In, yeah. I remember the, the moto in Italy took from Jeffrey. So, yeah, the, he'd have had one more year would he have done anything with that? I guess... Yeah, would he have two more years? Well, <laughs> I'm all well, confused. Either, with either, way, either way, if it stayed for an extra year, Herlins would have left MX2, so maybe that would have opened the door to him being world champion, and then that would have changed everything. But then he'd have had to deal with Jonas and Prado coming up. Would See, this have, is a, this is a have, strange uh, thing, though. Got the better of them like, two. There's no way that... No one talks about this enough. Ferrandis was just as good as... Ferrandis was Jonas in MX2. He wasn't anything, like he wasn't far and away better than Jonas. So what he's doing now, especially now in 450s, but even what he did in 250s in America is like completely out of the ordinary. And I feel like someone who, someone, maybe that's, maybe that's my job. <laughs> uh, I feel like someone needs to try and figure out what the hell has caused like, because this is the guy now, like everyone now is just like, yeah, that's Ferrandis. He's good. But no, like, Ferrandis was never going to be this good, I don't think. Do you not feel that's the star Yamaha? 
Yeah, but what what would you what? And you think the confidence from that? You think the confidence yeah, from being I on that like bike it, is now he, why he's doing so well in four fifties? He's just got on a roll. It, uh, it's it's took him five years, five years since he left. So like the first year he was a little bit sketchy, a little bit everywhere on it, and the, the following year a little bit better again, gains more confidence, then gets again wins one, then gets the title. Then he got another title, didn't he? Did he get two and two fifty? He got the outdoors, definitely. Uh, and it just it steamrolled from there, I think. He got the factory bike, and then he's gone a good off-season and come in swinging again, got a trainer behind him with, with Villeman. Uh, I feel like he had all the puzzle pieces over there, whereas over here, it was a little bit like... Um, it, was, it was almost... It was uncertain. Whereas over there, there was a path. And I guess... Yeah, he, like, like you said earlier about him being on Kawasaki, that... That team went away after that. Or did it have one more year? Uh, no, they ran in 2017. I think they, they went at the end of 2017 because oh, they? they won um, EMX yeah. 250 in 2017 with Lesiardo, who, as I've said many times on the podcast, Morgan Lesiardo, forgotten the ultimate proof that winning an EMX 250 title doesn't necessarily lead you to greatness. Sorry, not sorry. Next question. Good question, this. Yeah, good question. This at Schwickster. Schwickster. Yep. At Schwickster 420. What will Red Bull KTM do with Vial if he wins a second title and Caroli doesn't retire? Would they run four riders or would they let him go somewhere else? Hmm. Someone else replied to this question, I think, and said, would they send him to America? Which was which actually I'd never thought about thought about and got me like very in a very, hmm, mood. I think Vial's older than what people think. He's older than Prado. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he's yeah. older than so Prado. I, I feel like, yeah, like if he wins another title, I think he'll be, be ready for that, for that seat. I feel, would they run, he'd be under the, the Ducali side if he, well, someone no, would be under the, the Ducali Austria side. Uh, but if Cairoli retired, then it'd just be Prado over there and, Guadagnini, wouldn't it? But no, yeah, Guadagnini. So I think I feel like the yeah they could they could run Caroli. I think he made it aware that this year might be his last year. So if he runs another year, then is he really going to go for the title, or is it like a farewell tour of yeah we can run him as like a thank you and like there's your uh, season with fans to say goodbye, and then have have Vial under there as well as like an up and comer. To uh, to take over. This is where it gets interesting because Sue Sue's contracts up this year, and he's a he was a big silly season player two years ago. Fevre's contracts up this year. Um, Watson's on a one year deal. Olsen's on a two year deal, I think. So he's not up. So like there are big there are big dogs available for like purchase yeah. at the end of this year. So like. But do you do you take a risk on someone like Vial? Say say he comes off another title. Do you, do would you not go for the young the young kid who's in your system who's proved that he can do exactly what Prado did? Uh, who would who would be cheaper than someone like Sewer? I I think the two things don't match up. I think no matter what happens, Vial will always be in the Austria KTM side, and yeah. I also think that. So whether Caroli retires or whatever, I don't think that actually makes a difference to Vial's plans or what they do with Vial. 
The only problem they have got is they are running four fifty riders. No, and it wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be a difference anyway because they've got Caroli and Vial yeah. at the same time now. So if Vial goes onto a four fifty, that same budget, I'd imagine he'd probably maybe even be paid less. Yeah. So I don't think it. I don't think whatever Crowley does, I don't think that impacts or whatever. I don't think the Crowley and Vial situations actually merge at all. Dakali was two riders a uh, year just gone. They were just Crowley and Prado. So if they go to if they go down to Prado and Guardiganini, that's actually normal for them. Yeah, because even before Prado went up, before Prado went up to MXGP, it was Crowley and Prado, one MXGP, one MX2. So it's always been the Austrian side that runs three riders. So yeah, I actually don't, those two things don't, don't matter. And I don't think Vial would want to go to America. I don't think he's ever mentioned that. So nice thought though. At Marpav73 uh, said, Guido didn't race any preseason races and is not on the entry list for Russia. Any news about him? Uh, well, I said that. Yeah, it's in his contract. He's got to do the Swiss Championship. Uh, it clashes with Russia, so he'll be racing there this weekend, but back for Matterley. So nothing to worry about. Nothing to really say. All, all is good. All is good. At Hank Jan Lois, who gets his name and question read out without being abused, which is nice for him. Congrats, Hank. Big day. Who will be the best rookie in the MXGP and MX2 classes this weekend in Russia? So not season, just this weekend in Russia. You can go first. Choo-choo. Of course. I've, I mean, that wasn't even a question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like... Uh... We've said it already, the momentum coming in. Uh, Watson's going to be the best rookie this this weekend, or this first round MXGP. For MX2, Kyder Wolf is a rookie, I guess. Who else even is there? He's done one. Is it, MX- yeah. Oh, Guadagnini, I guess. Beniston? Yeah, but oh, he yeah, did that many last... Is, are, they, are they classed as rookies when they did three or four rounds last year? I think as long as they're... Or is, it, is it like a first full season? Yeah, um, yeah. First I'll go full Beniston, season, then. they count as rookie. Yeah, okay. But I think Beniston, he was, uh, he was just solid. Like every single week last year in the the Emex series, he was there. Um, and then when he did have his showings, what did he do? One? Did he do one or two in Lommel? The one that he did in Lommel uh, was very impressive. I think he did one in Lommel, two in. Um, in Italy, and then skip the last one. Yeah, he skipped the last one to get a head start on 2021 prep. There's no yeah, doubt in my so mind. Like the I think. first moto he did, and then he he did really well in the in one of the Italian as well. So yeah, I think uh, yeah, I'm I'm on the same page. There's no doubt. I feel like Beniston. He's also strong on hard pack. Being French, I feel that's going to be a telltale sign, sort of thing. Here you go. This is here you go. Here you go. Here everyone. Here you go, everyone. Vial, Renault, Benison. That's your MX2 podium this weekend. Don't even bother what. Actually, if it's dry. If it's dry, Vial, Renault, Benison. That's your top three. Congrats. No need to watch now. That's not even out, out there, is it? Do you think? Well, I think Vial and Renault, yeah. everyone would go with those two. And I think who would you. Is Moose better than Benison on a hard pack, slick Russia? Eh, I don't know. What do you think? That's crazy. No, I don't. I don't think he'd be better than him. Um, yeah, the the Beniston showed and the hard pack in Italy that I feel like he's he's set with that. A Mustaik, I, I consider. I don't. I don't know about him on the hard pack. He's always done well in the sand. Obviously, he's Dutch. 
growing up in the sand. It must be different. But what has he done on a hard pack track? Um, most Moosteik's issue coming into the season is he doesn't believe in himself enough. And I know that sounds like such a ridiculous, like, oh, how's that insight? But he has said it himself, and so has Mark Deruva. So yeah. that is the... That is a, like it sounds like such a ridiculous thing. Like, oh, he doesn't. He just doesn't believe in himself enough. Like, if he just like, like it sounds like I'm his mum. That is actually a genuine thing that they are trying to work through. A positive is there's there's quite a lot of sand races early on. You know, like so if he gets some momentum going after after the first three, there's obviously Russia, Matley, and Majora. Then there's there's Kegums, and then Oss has now moved to. A little bit later on, and it. So if he can get if he can get some confidence, if that is a problem that he doubts himself, then if he can get some early confidence, it might just carry him through a little bit better than what it would if it wasn't there. I think um, I think Mostike is underrated big time. Not not for Russia. I don't think Russia. I don't think he'll be on the podium in Russia. But as a rider no. and looking at the season as a whole, like he can be in the mix for a medal. I think no doubt. Yeah, yeah. The Latvia stint was strong for him last year. I know it's a sand track again, but um, it showed some consistency and speed and won a motor, got that out of the way in Lommel. So he's, he's I'm, bi- I'm big on the, you can't win your first motor as well as the title in the same year. I feel like you need to take that step and win a motor one year and then the following year you have, you have it under you, you know what you need to do. And he's done, he's won the motor, so it's now go for the next thing. At Mitch underscore 83 said or asked fans question mark. Nice and blunt to the point. No, no fucking around from Mitch. I heard that Russia was going to be full capacity like nothing had ever happened. And then now I hear it's going to be 5,000 fans, which is still a lot. But yes, yeah, it does. I don't think it's going to be as many as everyone anticipated. Uh, Matali is going to be 4,000 fans at the moment. I, I think that's going to stay that way. And then I did see that. Luongo said Majora will have fans, but I don't know what that's limited to. And to be fair, if you packed 3,000 people into Majora, it'd look rammed because it's a really tight, small facility. So, yeah, that is Liat Ask Vice Anything for this week. And actually, I have a Liat hat to give away to the best question, which I don't know. Were there any questions you like or even can remember at this point? Um, I quite like the Ferrandis one, to be fair. It's a little bit, yeah. Yeah, I like that one. I think that was a good one. All right, well... It's just a bit. It's just a bit different that not many people consider. Yeah, yeah, that was and, then, uh, and it got us talking. Yeah, well, I did hype Schwickster up, but unfortunately, you've been pipped to the post after all of that. This happens. Motocross, anything can happen. So yeah, Braden underscore two one two gets a Liat hat, which I will find you on whatever social media you put your question in on, and I'll figure that one out. Thanks to Liat for presenting Ask Vice Anything. Uh, once again, Liat are known for producing the world's most effective neck braces but have continued to evolve and can now protect riders from head to toe. No matter whether it is their new for 2021 20, 4.5 boot, which offers advanced technology at a mid-range price point, or the all-new 7.5 helmet, which includes 360-degree turbine technology and free bulletproof velocity goggles, Liat has you covered. Shop Liat's extensive line of off-road gear on www.liat.com. Let's do the, the second uh, advert of the show but before we do a quick thanks to Fly Racing Liat Planet Moto Holidays Prox Racing Parts Technical Touch KYB Even Strokes MXGP TV Backyard Design UK Asterix Knee Braces Armour Nutrition and 
Lenzel Oils. Uh, we'll be back in five with Planet Motor Bombshell of the Week, Lenzel Performance of the Week, not on um, You Smarter Than a Birth because sad times, James isn't here this week. And yeah, back in five. Uh, thanks for listening. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. Even Strokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Even Strokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at evenstrokes.com. Known for producing the world's most effective neck braces, Liat continues to evolve and can now protect riders from head to toe. No matter whether it is their new for 2021 4.5 boot, which offers advanced technology at a mid-range price point, or the all-new 7.5 helmet that comes with free Liat bulletproof velocity goggles, Liat has you covered. Shop Liat's extensive line of off-road gear on www.liat.com. For over 60 years, Blenzel Racing Caster has been the secret choice for many championship-winning riders and engine builders. From top tuners like Terry Varner and factory-level riders like Michael Essie, who won the 2020 two-stroke world championship using Blenzel, nothing out-lubricates or outperforms Blenzel's full line of caster-based two-stroke oil. From the original green label racing caster to the 455 Ultra or the versatile gold label, Blenzel has you covered. To learn more about Blenzel's rich heritage or to shop Blenzel's full line of 2T and 4T racing lubricants, visit Blenzel.com and follow them at Blenzel on Instagram. Instagram. The MX Vice Show. Welcome back to episode 71 of the MX Vice Show. Pre-Russia talk, we finally got racing happening, so that's very exciting for all of us here at MX Vice. Kind of what we need to do a good job, so it's helpful. This is part three of the MX Vice Show, and part three is presented by Prox Performance Parts. Prox Performance Parts supply genuine replacement products which meet or even exceed OEM quality. All parts are manufactured to highest quality standard at state-of-the-art manufacturing facilities around the world. Hence why everything that Prox Racing Parts offer exceeds the highest level requirements for all motocross riders require. Many of the Prox parts are actually made by the same suppliers to the OEMs. Head to pro-x.com now to learn more. So um, yeah, Prox, essentially the deal with Prox is quite simple. If you're not a factory rider and you want to get close to factory, you use Prox. That's that simple. You can walk around the paddock, any team, uh, F&H, not full factory, uh, Honda SR, not full factory, Dixon, not full factory, any of those teams that are just looking to compete with the factories, they go to Prox because really, that's what you need to do to be on that level. And like Technical Touch earlier, the good thing about Prox is even you, yes, you, listening, you can use the same products for Dixon, that Honda SR, that anyone in the paddock, there's loads of teams, any of them use and get them for your bike. So. Yeah. Thanks to Prox for the support on a podcast. Good products that we all believe in in here at MX Vice. So, right. We actually need to... I can't believe I haven't mentioned it until now. Bloody MX Manager. But we'll do that at the end because that's actually something to talk about. Because new changes, all exciting. I'm actually excited about MX Manager. But for now, first, we'll do the Planet Motor Bombshell of the Week. Have you got any kind of bombshell of any sort, whether it be prediction, whether it be opinion, whether it be something you've seen, or anything else. I've got one. I'll, I'll say mine to get you... You can think while I'm going for it. So, Kawasaki have a Twitter account which covers all motorcycle... Well, not even... All off-road motorcycle goings-on. So, like, it's an American-based account, but it will send out tweets about how Kawasaki did in works, in GNCC, in AMA Motocross, AMA Supercross. But they also do do tweets about MXGP and, like, FNH and stuff. So they put out a tweet yesterday 
about Fevra and Monticelli, or if that is his real name, how they did at Erne and like looking forward to MXGP. And the tweet reads, at Kawasaki MXGP's Roman Fevra, good so far, and Zico Monticello. Zico Monticello. Like, that's not even a typo. You've, they've, that's both names wrong. Like, that is not a typo because there's no way you have a typo on both names and don't realize it. If it said Evo Monticello, I'd be like, oh, they've just like typed O instead of I. No, Zico. I'm pretty sure if you type Evo, it doesn't autocorrect to Zico. I don't know why I'm angry about this because I don't really care. It's actually quite funny. It's kind of meant to be a funny Planet Motor bombshell. I don't know. And to be honest, I'm not sure if I'll ever recover. And to be honest, moving forward, I think he's now Zico to me. I thought it was going to be a case with like uh, the Paul Webb, Cooper Webb in America, like a first name that no one ever uses unless like they've just got it off some official document and that's his actual name. So I took it as like, oh, maybe that's... uh... I would imagine that there's an office somewhere in America and someone's gone, hey, Jim in marketing, you need to do a tweet about the European guys. And Jim's gone, what? And they've got the European guys. Do a tweet about them. And he's gone, all right, who are they? Uh, Roman Fevre. Yeah, all right. And who's the other one? Zico Monticello or something or another. Google it. And Jim's <laughs> not Googled it. That's what I'd imagine. Find something Italian and put it. Just, I've never done a fly racing post-race podcast with Monticelli. And as everyone knows, I say the name at the beginning. And I think, um, spoiler alert, that podcast is now going to happen. And spoiler alert, part two, he will be called Zico Monticello. Actually, <laughs> quite a cool name. A lot cooler than Evo Monticelli. Maybe by, yeah, by day yeah. he's Evo Monticelli, but then when like it's time to party and, you know, night He's calls, alter ego. Yeah, he's Zico Monticello. Oh, almost forgot. Oh, I've, oh, I've messed that up. Almost forgot. So there's that. That was my Planet Motor bombshell of the week. Um, have you got anything? I feel like yeah, uh, that was quite uh, no, that was quite of uh, out of the uh, out of left field a little bit. I don't know. Um, I feel like Yago uh, being injured is a little bit of a bombshell. It's kind of you know like if everyone was hyping up the rivalry again that we saw quite a few battles last year. It sort of takes the wind out of it a little bit if he's coming in injured. We'll take that. Um, <laughs> So there you go. That's the Planet Motor bombshell of the week. Zico Monticello and Yago continues to crash. Bet you didn't see those two coming. <laughs> uh, escaping everyday life and riding in Spain has never been better. And you can still experience that right now. Planet Moto still have packages available for the remainder of the year, plus customizable options with the Planet Moto Academy. Uh, any British fans who follow the domestic goings-on in youth and amateur classes will see that Planet Moto Academy riders are actually doing pretty well in their uh, respective classes. So if you're wanting to already like sort of make a plan for 2022 and best way to prep, etc. I'd probably get in touch with Max Flint at Planet Motor Holidays because that academy, well, let's be honest, what are you going to do? Ride in England or ride in Spain with a motocross-specific gym and do all of that stuff? It's a no-brainer. So yeah, visit planetmoto.co for the Planet Motor Academy or alternatively, just a ride holiday. Many options available over there. And thanks to Planet Moto for sponsoring that segment. Zico Monticello, what a joke. Next thing, Blenzel Performance of the Week. Very efficient, this show, without James. Very efficient. <laughs> Blenzel Performance of the Week. Right, let's do this. Changing this slightly. It's always been Performance of the Week, just gone, but meh, boring. Let's do, make a prediction for this weekend. 
but it can be any sort of prediction you want. It's just got to be something that you believe will happen. It can even be, it can be anything from Hurlings goes 1-1 to Bast- if you were Dan R. Blackham, Bastian Bodam <laughs> uh, being in the top eight, uh, or even that it's going to rain. Actually, there's a few sound drops that I've really dropped the ball on this week. It's because I'm hosting for the first time. I wasn't so sound drop focused. There were a couple that I could have added, would have added to this show. Yeah, I mean, there was a song at the beginning which really just made everything. But uh, yeah, any prediction, the bold prediction you've got, it can be anything you want, anything in mind. Go. I don't know how bold it would sound. Um, I think gifting will be top three in one of the motos. That's bold. Hard pack as yeah, well. That's bold. That's, like, that's, uh, that's, that's all. You yeah. know what? That's even. Hold on. That's even. That as well. <laughs> I feel like he'll go like 3 8. Yeah, when you say that, that seems more like, okay, actually, yeah, that is quite bang on. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, he's. Um... The thing is, MX2 is just a. It's, <laughs> I mean, not the best way to describe it, but out behind the hour, it's just a crapshoot. Who knows? Gifting could be second or he could be 12th. Uh, Mostite could be second or he could be ninth. It's such a... Viao is clearing away the favourite and definitely the best rider in that class. No doubt about it. 100%. Not even a debate. Behind him, though, yeah. it's all one big debate. Where mine comes from is, uh, with him being Swedish and growing up on sort of Swedish tracks, it's a little bit like... I don't really know how to describe it the best way, but a, not a less spectacular, but the terrain in Russia seems quite rocky as well as like the terrain in Sweden almost seems sort of like a, a rockier style, like less prep tracks, a little bit rougher, uh, like square edge bumps. Do you know what I mean? I do. I do actually. I wondered where you were going with it, but once you said it, I was like, "That's like with the Swedish, the Swedish, the Swedish championship." When you see some like highlights and things like that, like the tracks, not they don't look bad at all, but they just look like uh, what the riders would prepare on for Grand Prix. When you see like these tracks in the south of France that haven't been graded in years, they sort of look somewhat similar. And then Russia, to me, sort of looks like that. Once it gets rough, it looks a little bit uh, unprepared. (laughs) I don't know the correct term. Russia is a bit. Russia is a very raw track. Yeah, yeah, like old school bumps going in and out of turns, like deep ruts, sort of things you'd expect from a track that hasn't been prepared in ten years. Right, I'm new now for the Blenzel performance of the week. Is these are actually going to be followed up? So that is officially logged in the MX5 show vault, where all the important files go. Gifting, top three in a moto. Right, mine. Gifting, top three in a moto. Mine then. What will I do? What will I do? Hmm. What will I do? Probably should have thought about this, especially when you were talking. I could have just used that time to come up with something. <laughs> what would I do? Um. Okay, this is one. I think this is quite bold. So, MXGP is quite stacked. Breaking news. That's the reason you listen to this podcast. Insight. So, but point being, bear with me, Herlins, Prado, Geyser, Crowley, Sewer, Fevra, Ben, Olsen, Jonas, Blandering. That's, your, that's 10 riders already. So it's going to be hard for other people to get into the top 10. 
My point being, Lupino is top 10 in a moto. I'm not sure if that's actually bold or not. Do you feel like that because he's already got a bit of like high, com- like a very competitive race for last weekend of the opening AMA round? Do you think that's why well, he's coming in a little bit stronger with some confidence from obviously getting that really fast lap time? And then I think he finished 13th in one of the motors, didn't he? Not only that, but going back to um, going back to the very beginning of the show when we mentioned about Lupino being 0.9 down on Caroli in a moto in Italy. Okay, that's right. That's okay. Caroli's got a palm injury, and it was so bad. Or yeah, not, uh, maybe that's dramatizing it a bit. It it was enough to stop him from racing the second moto. Um, but no, I think that's quite bold. Yeah, maybe maybe to make it bolder. I should make say top 10 in both motos, but I don't actually believe that. I think that's way too risky. <laughs> he had one, one good moto showing last weekend. So. Yeah, you know what? Lupino top 10 in a moto. That's my log. That's been logged in the official MX Vice show vault for important stuff. Uh, and that is, uh, those are the predictions for the Blenzel performance of the week coming up. So we will see what happens uh, next week and follow up and see what... Um, See what the crack is. I might end up. I might make a little championship out of this and like points. But then I don't know. Maybe. But anyway, that was the Blenzel performance of the week predicted. Uh, for over sixty years, Blenzel Racing Castor Oil has been a secret choice for many championship-winning riders and engine builders, from top tuners like Terry Varner and factory-level riders like Michael Essie, who won the twenty twenty-two Stroke World Championship using Blenzel. In fact, nothing outlubricates or outperforms Blenzel's full line of castor-based two-stroke oil. From the original green label, Racing Caster, to the 455 Ultra, or the versatile gold label, Blenzel has you covered. To learn more about Blenzel's rich heritage or to shop for Blenzel's full line of two-stroke and four-stroke racing lubricants, visit Blenzel.com and follow at Blenzel on Instagram. Uh, Blenzel are making a bit of a comeback in the racing world, and anyone who uh, would have been following American stuff would have probably seen that name popping up quite a lot. They were a big sponsor of Jerry Robin through, uh, throughout Supercross. Um, he even had custom gear made by Canvas, Michael Lieb's brand, but was fully blenzled out. So big sponsor and really making a push. And we're part of that in Europe. So yeah, good stuff from Blenzel. Put it in your bike. Give it some love. Right. We can either do, do you want to do MX2 a little bit more? But instead of the top guys, go for the Muse, Harrop. Uh, yeah, Fernandez, Wolves of the World. Should we do that? And then Spoiler MX Manager group. and then we're done. Yeah, yeah. yeah this yeah. is the equivalent. It's we in, in MXGP. We had to spoil a group of um, Watson and Olsen and those guys. I'm not going to repeat the names again because I've said it a million times. So in MX2, people that would fall under that category, I would say, would be Muse, Harrop, Fernandez, Lagenfelder, very German, Hoffer, uh, Wolf. I'd say those riders. I wouldn't put Guardaganini in there because I think he's a little more like. He's a little more, a bit more hype behind him. But yeah, I'd say those riders. Anything stand out to you from that group? Do we, do we include Beaton in this group or is he above? Because I feel like he's above this group. Yeah, he's way above. Did I say Beaton? All right. No, no. But oh. I'm, I mean, like we haven't, spoke, we haven't even touched on him yet. And I just feel like he's, he's above that group. Beaton can win the world title. Yeah. Yeah. It's just very, very seems to be... Underrated again, and and uh, yeah, and that's all I've got to say about that. As Forrest Gump once right. said, so, <laughs> anything. I um, think. Uh, did you say DeWolf in this group? Yeah, 
or was Called he below? Wolf. I feel like he could he could wolf. Okay, that's maybe why. <laughs> Probably why you missed that. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's a little bit of an unknown. Like speed's not a not an issue, and he's had a couple of um, like good preseason races. I think he did. I think he's been in like the Swedish Championship and things like that. Uh, like some good showings there. So I feel like he could, uh, with it being rookie year as well. I think like, it, no one really knows where he's at. It could be. Yeah, I feel like he'd be heading that group. I think as he. He can definitely do something. The problem with him is he's going to be really fast, but he's also going to crash. Like that is yeah. going to be, that is just his mo. Um, especially now, especially going in as an inexperienced rookie. So, how high will his highs be? I think he can be on the podium. I would say. Yeah. And you've got to think. Actually, he'll be better yeah. than he was last year in EMX two fifty because um, he's a bit bigger, a bit stronger. And if you're on Husqvarna, if you're like he was on this team in MX2 uh, in EMX250 last year, but he didn't get a factory bike. You only get the factory bike once you move into MX2. So he, although he's same team and it all looks the same, he's actually got a much. Well, he's got a full factory bike beneath him now, so that will spur him on a little bit. You'd think. Yeah. But then maybe yeah, not a lot changed under the team side of it. Conrad on his no, day, I feel all. like could win. Just, I can't say it's that okay. at the moment. He's so up and down. I can't say he'll win at the moment just because, like you say, like with the whole, you can't, you have to win an overall before you win a season, uh, championship kind of thing. Yeah. Like, I Maybe not. No, I'm, I'm talking, before you win an overall. I don't feel like that matters with Conrad because I feel like the, the talent's not an issue. It's just on the day whether his head's in it or not and whether he gets good starts or not. But, I don't. I think he could be one that could just go out and win without being on the podium first or anything like that. Do you know like the like raw talents there? Yeah. He just needs to get it together, and this year could be really strong for him. But then on the other hand, it could be like, like where is he? Like I... He could be back half of the points one race, and then really good the next. And I don't know what changes that. Whether it's whether it's bike, whether it's in his head or. I think he he has to podium this year. Like he has to, has to, has to, has to. Whether it happens or not, I don't know. But he has to podium. Like it's 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 time. Like it's now time for him to get on the podium. Whether that's third overall with a five five. Like he just needs to get on the podium. It's. I feel like another podiumless season would not be good for him. Uh, like his mentality no. or anything. I feel like there's a lot of hope coming into this season, and there's a lot of excitement. And I feel if it ultimately leads to nothing, then that'll be a a tough pill to swallow, you know. He needs to put his name back back at the top. I feel like I could, some sort of state, statement ride or something like that, just to be like, oh yeah, he he can do it. And I feel that like he needs to prove it to himself as well, because like you see him riding the British Championship, and he's like unbelievable, like the things he does on the bike and practicing. And then when you see him at Grand Prix, it's just like like it's not. Sometimes it's not the same rider. But I think he knows that and he knows that he needs to get it together a little bit and show what he can do. He was um he was ill at the weekend for the British Championship. So that's why he um was uh not on his usual level. He went six one for third overall. Uh and quite ill by the sounds of it. But obviously that was only seven days before Russia, so 
I would question whether he's going to be 100% absolutely peak form for Russia off the back of that, which could lead to a puzzling Russia for him. Yeah. Um, yeah, obviously, like the, the run of form that he's had, hopefully he can continue that and hopefully the others isn't too bad. It's, it, it showed in the second moto that he he's, can still win it. I know it's only the British Championship and on your bad days, if he can come out with a third overall, that's kind of what he needs to do on the Grand Prix. He's on his bad days, just minimise it a little bit and be a bit more consistent. Uh, also in this group, I think Lagenfelder is underrated. He was injured early last year, wasn't he? Did he? Yeah, Fienza sort of time. Right? Oh, no, no, that was that was that was Sido, wasn't it? The two two I think, gas, gas I think they both went out at the same um, time. I'm pretty sure it was the same event or within a week of each other. Yeah, there was a couple of motos last year where he was there uh, between like five and ten, wasn't he? That it showed like a little bit of flashes and obviously enough to keep that ride. And yeah, if it's another, it's again he was he was young and inexperienced and more experienced will push him a little bit higher up the table and be better overall I feel Hoffa probably doesn't even belong in this group he's probably too good for this group I'd say he is actually the, yeah 100% actually now that I say it out loud yeah he just needs more under his belt doesn't he there's nothing there's nothing to go off there's like a couple of rounds last year well the opening round was very good and then he, he just got injured again and then it sort of never happened did it it's almost like he it was forgotten that he was even there last year yeah this is his um I, you have to really just think of this as his complete rookie season like because it is okay he did a, like Beniston probably did more races last year than Hoffa did in MA. yeah yeah I feel they'll be similar level as well both good bikes both strong riders if I had to bet out of this group, I think Muse podiums, I think Harrop podiums, I think Hoffa podiums. I don't know about Lagenfelder and I don't know about Fernandez. And I think Kaida Wolf podiums as well. I forgot he was in this group. Do you think um, Kaida Wolf can hold it together for two races to podium? Yeah, I reckon there'll be one day where he goes pole, shocks the world, and then he just has this unbelievable day. And then it'll probably unravel the next round and then the following round he'll be amazing again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fernandez, I feel like, can as well. I feel like he'll be similar. Um, he's not short of speed, which we saw at times last year. And then there was a little bit more consistency towards the end, wasn't there? Like a couple of motors together where he's putting it up there and there was like a real big burst of speed at the start after COVID, obviously the break, he'd done quite a lot of prep and then come out swinging. And then it sort of, I think a few mechanicals let him down, but obviously a change of team, change of bike. It'd be interesting to see if he can make the next step up again. MX manager talk and then we'll wrap her up. Yep. Right. Let me pull up MX manager quickly. So, uh, MX Manager, obviously, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Last year was a disaster. Uh, it almost put me in hospital because it stressed me out so much. Just every, like, there was just so many issues that we, um, we just didn't see coming. Like, uh, Latvia, um, there was a lot of, lot of, lot of, a lot of people who were playing it and it crashed it. So, <laughs> lesson learned. And then uh, some things that I messed up, like um, uh, Lommel Round, I got the, 
time zone mixed up for the uh, closing time of entries. So it closed an hour early and I was in a meeting for that hour. So I wasn't on my phone to notice. So anyway, I can only apologize for last year, but it's a new year. It's a, new, it's a whole new world, as I said at the beginning of the podcast. And a few changes this year, which I'll run through quickly now. So uh, last year, uh, where should we start? Okay, we'll start here. Last year, you could pick teams and you could pick manufacturers and you could pick, uh, you got awarded bonus points for whole shots and fastest lap. No one really understood teams and manufacturers, including myself. <laughs> and it didn't really do much to the game. And it kind of just, it was kind of just a pointless thing that was there. So that's gone. That's gone. Gone. Bye. See ya. The bonus points were there to add like variety in the scores, but that doesn't re- really work with MXGP because you give points for whole shot. Well, Prado and Viao are going to get a ridiculous amount of those. So that's gone as well. So there's no bonus points now. There's no teams or manufacturers. The variety has come, has been replaced by two things that I hope, um, after a lot of work with James, who I will I'll play a song. Uh, after a lot of work with James, I think these are things that are going to add a lot. So you now can't pick the same rider two weeks in a row, which, is, which changes everything essentially because... Um, Right now, Lupino is three million dollars euros, three million euros. If he underperforms this week, okay. So I've got Lupino on my team at three million dollars. If he does terrible this weekend, that means that his price will drop for the next weekend, and then I can't pick him because I had him this week. So he's almost double screwing me now because I can't just go. Oh, I'll just pick him next week. Then he's now just completely screwing me if he does terrible. So that's a whole different strategy thing to think about. Like you don't want to pick, for instance, um, the, the example I always use to people now is the week before Lommel is Lockett. You don't want to pick Nathan Watson for Lockett because then you can't pick him for Lommel. So that's just a terrible game plan. So think about like, even if Nathan Watson's um, price is ridiculously tempting for Lockett, save him for Lommel because why wouldn't you? That's just obvious. Or... Go the, know that everyone else is going to do that and think, you know what? I'm going to go different. Strategy. Exciting time. And also, the prices have changed big time because before, you had 1.2 million euro budget for each team. Now, that budget is 10 million. Uh, 10 million? 10 million. Because the reason for that was uh, it just basically gave more room to like space out the prices. So now, there's very few riders who are the same price. So there's a lot more variety there. Again, making picks harder, making it more complicated for you to make a decision and just like putting more thought into it, basically. So, and also the way that the riders are priced have changed as in uh, like the front runners are much more expensive now. So Herlins costs 8.6 mil of your 10 mil budget. That's ridiculous. But the point, the reason for doing that was if this is meant to be a simulation of you running a team, you can't go out and just buy hurlings and have, you can't go out and have hurlings and guys on a team and be like, oh sweet, this is my MXGP team. No. This is a real world, people. This is a real world. No time for fun and games. So, that's the new MX manager. I've spent three weeks testing it. I broke it. I tested it. I fi- it got fixed. I broke it. It got tested. It got fixed. So, hopefully, no issues this year. And breath. Or breathe. I've been reading too many pit doors, pit boards, not pit yeah. doors. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the changes for MX Manager this year. I am, as everyone knows, I said it on the podcast, I was quite down on MX Manager at the end of last year because it just wasn't really like working how I wanted it to. Uh, I think this year is going to be a good step. I think it will be fun. I think it will be interesting as far as different like strategies and different 
It really is going to change the way that you do things and it's almost impossible to do well every week, which is good. And I'm confident that there'll be no issues. So this is exciting times. And this is kind of, next year it will change again big time as well. This is kind of a step towards that. Uh, final thing I have to say about MX Manager, prizes this year. If you paid £12 last year for the premium membership, your £12 has been rolled over because we're nice like that and it's a thank you for your support. Uh, if you're new and you want to win prizes, you have to pay £12 for a yearly subscription. Prizes this year, that was another headache last year because of COVID. Some companies have no product. Some companies have lots of product, but so much demand that there's a backlog. And it's just, there were a lot of prizes that at the beginning of the year, it was like, yeah, we'll do that as a prize. And then when it came time, it was like, ah, there's no product help. So COVID is still a thing, obviously. To sidestep that, James Burfield, the great guy, if he's listening to this, great guy. We miss you, James. Has given up even strokes vouchers for the prizes, meaning that you still get, you can buy casual clothing, you can buy gear, you can buy a helmet, you can buy boots, wheels, tires, whatever you want, but you'll get a voucher so that whatever you pick, you can kind of pick what's in stock and it kind of just eliminates the whole problem of like, this company's meant to give you handlebars and they don't have any handlebars at the moment and we don't know what to do. So, Top 10 at each round get prizes. First place at each round gets £100 down to 10th place getting £10. That's confirmed for every single round. Overall championship. First place at the end of the championship gets a £1,000 voucher. Second place gets 750 That goes all the way down to 20th. And then 50th, 100th, 150th and 200th get random prizes just as like a random draw. So if you just so happen to end up in that position, you also get a voucher. Uh, I've done a lot of talking there. I've kind of don't even really know what I said or how long I was going for, but it's going to be a good year of MX Manager. That's that's the point here. A simpler, more streamlined game. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. But in, a, in the way that everyone wanted, I think, because the teams and manufacturers did confuse a lot of people. So like, it was kind of like, well, I don't really know what I'm doing. Whereas now, you pick your riders, you get your points. Simple. Like, what more could you want? So, interesting picks. Um, I set a team last night just trying to see what I could do with my 10 million budget. And I set a team which now looking at it, I think might be quite clever. I've got Bryliakov, Jacoby, Lupino, Strybos, and Pankar. Which, now that I say it out loud, isn't as good as I thought. Um, well, we're just shooting... Well. It's, it's me, so I just go through life shooting for mediocrity. Um, no, but I kind of put that because like Lupino is good. Strybos has yeah. been good. And Jacoby will do okay, surely. Like, happy days. What have you put? I, uh, I went Beniston, Tonus, and Sterry. Hmm. See, because that's, that's like where the game is... Um... Yeah, there's, there's potential of... Like, Adam came off some top tens at the end of last year. Tonus, you just don't know what you're going to get on a hard pack track. He could podium or it could be 20th. Uh, and Beniston, I feel like, a little bit of the cheaper of the factory Yamahas, so you know he's going to be at the front. What did I price Beniston at? Beniston is 6.4 million euros. Okay, that's okay, yeah. I think I put I think actually that's exactly the same price as Ben because I thought both rookies, both factory Yamaha. Yeah. How much was Ben? Uh, I can't find Ben on the list. Anyway, yeah, now that I, I thought that was a good team, but now that I look at it, 
I mean, Strybos won a hard pack race in France, beating Sewer. That has to mean something. Actually, did he win? Or did he finish second? He was on pole. Did he win a moto? I don't think he did. Either way, he was in the mix. Good things. So surely that means he can top 15 Russia. You'd like to think so, but when, think- when, you, when you actually run through the like who's going to be there, uh, yeah. I feel, yeah, it's a solid pick. It's, it's going to, I don't know if it'll win you the game, but it's, it's one of them people that can, you can rely on. Ah, Jacoby's probably, if, if there was a pick, if there was one pick that I would strong, strongly urge everyone to not ignore, it would probably be Jacoby because he's 2 million, which is the same price as Strybos, and he should probably be more than Strybos, I'd imagine. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you think? Yeah, yeah, he's got, he's got more potential. It's a more, more chance of being like you, five to five to ten, can we say? Maybe uh, eight to Maybe twelve. Not. Yeah, eight to twelve. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, whereas with Stry Boss, I feel like you're not going to get that raw speed, but you'll definitely get that. Uh, you'll get de- you'll get the points, and you'll get a, a guy who's going to be there, and he's going to finish. He's not going to quit. That. <laughs> Vlanderin's 2 million, which is also a good... Like, if it, if it was all um, sunshine and roses, if that's the saying. That um, but then, yeah, but he is coming off of a, like, ACL and I don't know, maybe that is cheap. Maybe instead of Jacoby, you put him on it. Maybe that's the number one, like, has to be picked. Yeah, I think... Van, um... Hor- Van Horbeck 1.8. I put Van Horbeck at 1.8, which is even cheaper than Strybos. But my reason for that was, so Van Horbeck was like quite happy with a beta. And he said it felt like riding a mountain bike, like with chassis and everything. And I thought to myself, well, that's good on a rough, sat, slow sand track when you're just bup, 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 like, you know, just yeah. bouncing your way around. On a fast, 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 hard pack track. Do you want that? But he also said he also said the chassis was good on the on the beta. So like I feel like a lot of Russia is going to be based on chassis and setup in it, whether the engine's going to be less as important because it's going to be about being smooth rather than all out aggression from the bike. Well, that is true. And the engine well, last time I spoke to him, the engine was a question was a probably the biggest yeah. question mark on the beta. But still, I think that's I don't know. If, I, if this was going into Latvia, I would feel like Van Horbeck's chances of doing well were much higher than Russia. Yeah. I think. Um, so maybe him. So there are actually quite a few picks that I thought I'd done well on the prices, but actually, here's another one. Here's another one. Lorenzo Lucercio is under 1 million and he could get points or a point, maybe not points, but he can get a point, I think, because he is a good rider. He is like anyone who follows the American series. Here's Lorenzo Lucercio, and it's like, oh yeah, sure, he'll be top fifteen. He is a good rider, isn't he? Without without looking at the lineup, you you just automatically assume that he'd be in the top fifteen, and then when you look at the lineup, you think, ah, uh, yeah, maybe. But it goes back to how good is that bike? Like, is it? I know it's a KTM, so it's going to be strong anyway. But has he has he had enough prep over here? I know he's been over here and back a lot. Um, and he did well in America last year. Was it last year or the year before when he was he was, doing, he was putting in some top tens on a privateer? Like yeah, twenty nineteen. Yeah, so he's, he's 
the talent's there, isn't it? It's just whether it'll it can happen for him. One another sneaky good pick, I think, is a uh, Jan Pankar in MX2 because you hear that name and you're like, who? But quietly, quite a solid little hard pack rider. The Slovenian, I think he is. Um, I'm just going to pull up his results quickly from last year because I'm pretty sure even like I know I'm even telling you that he is a quite a good little hard pack rider. But even when I read his results out, I guarantee I'll be surprised again. He had a 13th at Faenza. He, he went 14-14 at the far, line of final round in Trentino. Like, that is, for 2 million, yeah. 2.2 million, that's a decent little pick. That's why he's my only MX2 rider. Yeah, it's not a bad, it's not a bad showing for, for the cost anyway. That's the, you forget that you're going off riders and you think, oh yeah, they're, they're not really going to be that up very far up there but if you stack like three or four of them guys it can it can pay off in the long run for you rather than one big guy that's what I think you've got I think you've got to stack the little guys not, yeah. not height wise just like the smaller value, the <laughs> smaller value guys um, I think that's what you've got to do I think but we'll find out it's an all new it's an all new structure so we'll see this weekend what the points are going to be like and who, what pays off because honestly at the moment it's tough to when I made the prices I basically went through and made the field how I thought it should play out. Like, put everyone in position and then priced it off of that. And I tried yeah. to make it, so I was like, right, if Hurlings costs this much and he's going to get 50 points and Vlandering can go 12-12, well, that's going to be 18 points. So I tried to make the prices all relative. So, like, it's all kind of works. It's actually a science to it this year instead of me just giving prices out like a madman. So it should be good. I'm actually, I think it's going to be good. I also forgot to mention earlier in the show, I, I ran through the MXGP injuries, etc. Uh, Fischetti is out with a hand injury. And actually, that's about it with MX2. Now Gertz is in. So anyway, Fischetti is out with a hand injury. There you go. Uh, big little build up there for absolutely nothing. Yeah. So that's MX Manager. It's back. It's better. It won't break. If it does, you'll find me on the edge of a cliff somewhere. <laughs> It should be it should be all right. If you've got any questions about it or how to play or anything, uh, there is a how to play on there, which I think has everything. Want to know anything? Just drop me a message or email or carry a pigeon or whatever you do in life, and I'll get back to you and we'll figure it out. But no, should be good. Just something to spice MXGP up because there's no other way to play fantasy in MXGP, so you might as well just give it a go. There you go. That's um, that's that. Right. I think that might be it. Anything else you can think of that we've missed? Not really. I feel like we've covered covered both classes quite well. And we've uh, discussed how things should shape out, but there's always going to be something that happens, isn't there, that we haven't thought of, or someone might have been really strong this off season and coming in swinging. So I don't feel like there'll be any any specialists of Russia as a track itself. So. The thing to watch for is the weather. I think that's now like the most exciting thing going into the weekend is what is the weather yeah. going to do. That, yeah. That's what excites me the most. What, exci- what gets me the most excited is the thought of like it being a complete mudder, the championship starting with a completely random winner and then we go to Matali and uh, we go to Matali and Jonas has got the red plate because then it's like, what? Like it's just like that. the thought of that is what gets me excited because it's just like so unexpected that it's 
Good stuff. Yeah. We will see. Right. That is part three and the final part of uh, the MXY Show podcast. This part was presented to you by Prox Racing Parts. Prox Performance Parts uh, supply genuine replacement products which meet or even exceed OEM quality. All parts are manufactured to highest quality standard at state-of-the-art manufacturing facilities around the world. Hence why everything that Prox Racing Parts offer exceeds the highest level requirements that all motocross riders require. Many of the Prox parts are actually made by the same suppliers to the OEMs. Head pro-x.com now to learn more. And obviously, thank you to uh, Fly Racing. You'll see their gear on the Hitachi KTM riders this weekend, not on the American riders, because there's a weekend off of Pro Motocross, which is actually very sad. Liat, you'll see their gear on the FNH riders, who one of them should be on the podium, you'd think. Planet Moto Holidays, Prox Racing Parts, you'll see them through the paddock. Technical Touch, KYB, Factory Yamaha, the Watson Wagon needs the best suspension, and we, even the Wagon, has KYB by Technical Touch attached to that. Uh, even Strokes, MXGP TV, Backyard Design UK, Asterix Knee Braces, Armour Nutrition, and Blenzel Oils. Before I go, one more time, if you've, if you've listened to this podcast, James, and you've made it this far, which I highly doubt, um, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope I did you justice. Uh, maybe, maybe we'll do a podcast it's together next been week. A long day it's been a long day, I'm not going to lie. You, it's actually gone a lot quicker without you because there was a less head shaking. Um, yeah. that's, that's that. So maybe, we'll, maybe I'll see you next week. Uh, have you got any final thoughts, Tom Neal? No, thank you. I appreciate you uh, turning to me as, uh, for some insight. And I hope it's, I hope it's gone well. I hope people like it. Um, yeah, just anyone who wants to let me know how I did, by all means. No, thank you. I'd imagine you will be back at some point. Maybe next week, because who knows if James will be <laughs> Fill in again. We will see. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, thanks again to Fly Racing, Liat, Planet Motor Holidays, Prox Racing Parts, Technical Touch, KYB, Even Strokes, MXGP TV, Backyard Design UK, Asterix Knee Braces, Armour, and Blenzer Oils. That has been episode number 71 of the MX Vice Show, and we are out. See ya. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. Even Strokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Even Strokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at evenstrokes.com. Escaping everyday life and riding in Spain has never been better, and you can still experience that right now. Planet Moto still have packages available, plus customizable options with the Planet Moto Academy. If you want to hit the tracks like Red Sand as soon as possible, visit planetmoto.co for more information. Known for producing the world's most effective neck braces, Liat continues to evolve and can now protect riders from head to toe. No matter whether it is their new for 2021 4.5 boot, which offers advanced technology at a mid-range price point, or the all-new 7.5 helmet that comes with free Liat bulletproof velocity goggles, Liat has you covered. Shop Liat's extensive line of off-road gear on www.liat.com. For over 60 years, Blenzel Racing Caster has been the secret choice for many championship-winning riders and engine builders. 
from top tuners like Terry Varner and factory-level riders like Michael Essie, who won the 2020 two-stroke World Championship using Blenzel, nothing out-lubricates or outperforms Blenzel's full line of caster-based two-stroke oil. From the original green label racing caster to the 455 Ultra or the versatile gold label, Blenzel has you covered. To learn more about Blenzel's rich heritage or to shop Blenzel's full line of 2T and 4T racing lubricants, visit Blenzel.com and follow them at Blenzel on Instagram. You are listening to the MX Vice Show.